minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of... Can you turn me down ever so slightly? This has become one of those Monday morning rituals where Dennis, who as we all know, really needs the microphone to be turned as loud as possible. Because he's really a shy and retiring kind of guy. I come in here and I yell into the microphone every Monday morning and it deafens me. Just like Tim found some mysterious new pile of dust over his workspace today. He went crazy cleaning this morning. I, I'm almost sad that I missed it. Well, well, he was here, the reason I did it was... I only have three days here, but when I come back, I'm going to be choking coughing for a week due to the Los Angeles air. Oh, that's right. So I wanted it to be as clean as pure as possible, so I couldn't blame it on studio dust. That's Tim right. was actually up on the counter, on really? his hands and knees, and he cleaned all up <laughs> in this area. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like Excellent. a wash woman. <laughs> Excellent. Anybody having a laundry that needs to be done? <laughs> oh, oh, now I wish I'd seen that. All right. Was it that there was new dust on the counter that had not previously well, been there? Or do you I, suppose it was that somebody cleaned a space and, and I found more dust as I went along? I picked one <laughs> space and there, there's more dust here. Oh, no, there's, clean another, there's more dust here. Cleaning the dust in the studio is like pulling on a sweater, though. The whole thing, it just it starts to unravel and then you'll never get it all. And I just can't stand to do a job halfway. Of course not. That's why we're the way, That's why this program is uh, is the, the ball of success that it is, Tim. Because we have follow-through on this show. All right. Excellent. Did you see what they gave uh, Dave Zinn uh, for his birthday? Because Dave Zinn's birthday was also on Friday. It wasn't just my birthday. It was Dave Zinn's. You would appreciate this, Tim. He's a man after your own heart. Dave, uh, who apparently has a little uh, a little OCD of his own going on in terms of cleaning. So the gift they gave Dave was a huge basket of cleaning supplies. It's like It was like hand sanitizer, a bunch of those Purell hand wipes, a thing of Lysol, some rubber, some rubber gloves. So Dave got a whole um, obsessive compulsive, I have to clean everything 50 times a day gift pack on Friday. So uh, we're an interesting people here at CBS Radio. Well, it's like when I went to Fred Meyer yesterday. They rebranded uh, branded traditional cleaning products, the things you need to clean up cat and dog hair. 
And they were giving out coupons for, for cleaning stuff that said, cleans up dog and cat hair. Is that where they've taken something? It, well, you know what it is? It's like if you go to the pet store, and they got that thing. It's just like a regular lint roller, but they've yeah. somehow, you're right, they have repurposed it as a thing that is specifically for the, the hair of animals. Mm -hmm. Which it clearly isn't, but they figured out that that's another way to separate you from your cash. Wait, it's like this vacuum cleaner I bought. It said, homes with pets. Picks up uh, dog and cat hair like a magnet. Actually, the side of the vacuum does. The vacuum, the vacuum itself really doesn't vacuum. Like anything. <laughs> the vacuum itself is completely ineffectual. Yep, it's covered with dog hair, but it's inside the vacuum cleaner bag. You know what they really need to do if they, if they really want to sell something that picks up uh, dog and cat hair? They just need to sell you a nice black sweater, because that's really where all of your dog and cat hair goes. And in fact, even if you, if you have children, I'm sure that any sort, any, uh, any sort of masticated peas or anything that you try, any. Anything that's going to come out of any of your child's orifices, it always ends up on either a, on either a, a white article of clothing or a black article of clothing. But that's really where to sell that stuff. All right. Uh, why, hello. It's 9 minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11, and this is the month of March of the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, uh, Solid State Radio. Thank you for coming by, making it part of your listening day. It is Monday, and welcome to Day 12. Uh, thank you for uh, thank you for coming along. Glad you've joined us today. Uh, my name is Rick Emerson, and I am happy to see you today. It's 503 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. What you should uh, join us with your comments, clarifications, conventions, two cents, uh, what have you. Uh, you can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. Here's just my final observation about you cleaning the dust off the counter this morning. I'm sure what it is because no one ever really cleans the studio intentionally except for you. And sometimes me, like I'll come in and I'll, uh, like I brought the Roomba in last week to clean the, the vacuum the floor. What probably happened is when they were decorating the studio for my birthday on Friday and they were putting up the, the pieces of bacon everywhere, somebody inadvertently, I'm sure, cleaned a small area of dust. Probably not even intentionally. They, they just, somebody's elbow touched the counter and then there was a small, tiny patch that was inadvertently cleaned. And then, of course, that just makes it, it's like it, you never know that, uh, do you ever do this? Do you ever not realize your television screen is dirty until you enter your, there's like a gnat or something or a fly on the screen and you go to sort of brush it away and you inadvertently wipe away the dust on a tiny patch of your television screen and then you realize the rest of the screen is just absolutely filthy and you've been watching everything through just a layer of silt for the last six months? I think that's what we, that, that's what the countertop might be like that. So, clean now. Fantastic. All right, uh, here's what's coming up today. Lisa Desjardins uh, will join us from the Hill as, this is the CNN headline, as America votes. Not today, uh, but at some point in the future, apparently. Did you see that that uh, kid who's in the, who do you want answering the telephone at 3 a.m., the kid in that commercial? Because I guess that's stock footage, mm -hmm. which I didn't know. Do you have that story? I do, and I have her speaking. Excellent. Okay, so, so we'll talk to you in a few minutes. There's a little bit of a twist to that commercial. Uh, let's see. James Roop will join us from Los Angeles. Well, I, I guess there's Britney Spears news of some kind. Oh, I guess he's not joining us from Los Angeles, is he? No, he has the day off today. Why did they list him on the sheet if he has the day off? Never mind. Not only did they list him on the sheet, they actually said they listed the stories he was going to be talking about and what time he was available. That doesn't make sense, actually, because if he was working earlier, I could understand, but... I don't understand how that place works sometimes. It's not like they... It's not like it was just sort of a Jim Roop is either in or out thing. I mean, they listed him as being in, and they list the stories he's talking about, and they list the times during which he will be speaking today. 
and then claim he's not at work at all. Well, whatever. Uh, we will be joined by uh, Steve Costum. I'm now talking about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductions, which I think are tonight. Not that I really care, but it's the sort of thing I'm like legally obligated to talk about. Uh, Geek Watch coming up today. Clown Watch. Uh, Whitney Watch. Copies of Into the Wild on DVD. Uh, Oregonian TV critic Peter Carlin. Your telephone calls. And a top five that I've really... It's a top five, no lie, like 15 years in the making. It's a top five that I have never before attempted. We've talked about it. We've discussed it. We've ruminated on it. Uh, we've we've brought it up. We've pondered it. We've discarded it as being improbable and impossible. But today I'm going to give it a try. We're going to give it give it a full-throated attempt today to try to get this done. I hold it right here in my hands. Today we will attempt. And this is in my estimation only. I don't claim to speak for anybody uh, but myself with this. This is really only in my assessment. Today we will attempt to list the top five... I mean, I've put together this list I, probably three, four, five dozen times. I've assembled this top five, and then always at the last moment we scrap it because we just it, it just seems it seems untenable. Today, the top five TV theme songs of all time. Hmm. It is the, it's time to pull the sword from the stone today. All right, we'll try that later on. Uh, Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification on this Monday. A flying goose smashes a Salem police car windshield. Excellent. Several cars are torched in Gresham. A woman is found frozen to death in a hotel room. Uh, naked bike riders in Eugene become confrontational. <laughs> the Clinton machine plans to pressure Obama to give up his dreams and accept the fact he's going to be Hillary's running mate. <laughs> Dick Cheney travels to the Middle East to demand peace. Tucker Carlson's about to be fired from MSNBC, like we knew he was still there. The Vatican lists new simple behaviors, and if we have time, we'll go to the South Carolina Redneck Shop. Fantastic. Is that, uh, I was looking at your prep sheet over there when I was dropping over the Whitney Watch. Is that shop with two P's? It is. Excellent. It's in South Carolina. In fact, was... you can see the picture of the guy in the shop at uh, my website. Wonderful. Uh, joined today, as are we always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Still and Why. Hello, and how are you? Oh, that's so funny that the, um... That you're going to do the top five themes, because I was just listening to the Dexter theme online right now. The Dexter th- theme, which I, that was my bicycling music again today. Oh, yeah. uh, I biked in with the you Dexter. Bike? I did today, actually. Even though it made me... i got to say, the problem is, here's the thing. It's not that I don't have the willpower to bike. I do. Uh, like this weekend, uh, I bicycled. And in fact, today, I'm not trying to make it seem like I do more biking than I, than I do. Uh, but, you know, yesterday, uh, you know, I biked to work and back home. It's not that. You know what it is? It's not the biking, it's the getting up earlier. Because it does take, and I know, it, it seems like maybe it shouldn't take me longer to get ready for work when I bike, it but it the does. the exact same amount of time to, to drive. It's so weird, I don't understand how it works, but it takes me just as long to drive as it does to ride my bike. Well, okay, but let's not talk about the actual driving versus the biking. I'm talking about the getting ready at your home. Does it take you longer to get ready at home if you're going to bike? Because that's the rub for me. Yeah, well, I have to yeah get Muppet all situated and then um, like put on tons of layers and test outside to see whether or not it's you know it's cold or hot. Right. Or and then I got to put my uh, you know my bike out. Put my other clothes that I'm going to wear today into the bag. And then I got to find the garage door opener. Maybe that's lost. And then I got to you know bring out the bike. And then I got the bag on. And then I got to do whatever. And I'm not you know not like it's the biggest biggest problem in the world. But it the actual biking time is the same as the driving time. But getting ready. Uh, to bike does it is kind of a big pain to me and then of course I get here 
we've talked about this before. It takes 20 minutes to try to look presentable and, you know, whatever. So um, it really is just like if I didn't have to be here till noon, I think I would bike a lot more often than I do. So I bicycled today, uh, but it, it made me uh, it made me late, but I did it anyway. So, uh, yeah. But I biked using the Dexter theme again, mm. which just makes everything you look at creepy and weird and strange and off-putting. That must be pretty cool. It is. It actually is. I, would, I highly recommend getting that soundtrack. Um, it's like, it's got four or five tracks of the Cuban stuff, which isn't really my style, but the score is, and then it's got some spoken word interludes. Where it's uh, where it's Michael C. Hall, so it'll be like two or three songs of score, which is like the Dexter theme, or you know, like what's her name, Deb's theme, or whatever. And then out of nowhere, you'll hear Michael C. Hall going. Sometimes blood puts my teeth on edge, and sometimes it helps distill the chaos. You know, whatever. Uh-huh. Which is which is great, except when you're biking at like 10 o'clock at night and it's pitch black outside, and suddenly everything seems creepy. In any event. But you finished season two this past weekend, did you not? Yes, I did. You are completely and totally caught up. I'm completely finished, and that show is so wonderful. I lost, honestly, this was a lost weekend for me. Like, I didn't I didn't ride my bike. I didn't uh, do anything outside. Like, quite literally, Saturday, all day Saturday and all day Sunday. You just stayed in front of the glass boob? Yeah, still in front of my computer because I still don't have a DVD player. I wasted the whole afternoon watching Red Dawn, which is like two hours, 41 minutes. Avenge me! Really? Yes, I play that through over and over again. <laughs> Excellent. We rule. So you watch the whole second season, too. Right? I am. I am completely caught How? up. Okay. Now, be, ca- be episode, careful. I'm not going to ruin anything. Joni, yeah. Joni sent me this angry text this weekend. She's like, you don't think you're spoiling anything, but you are. Shut up. About Dexter. So I don't think we reveal any spoilers. I'm, just I'm, like, I'm not going to say anything about Dexter, but that last episode was freaking genius. It was. It was. It was really, really, really good. really, 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 really good. And can I just say that Lila's one of the greatest characters ever? Yeah. I got mixed feelings about her as a character. But uh, but it all it all ended it all ended well. Let's just say that. I have mixed feelings about her, but it all came out in the wash. So uh, so that was good. Um, yeah, I don't want to say anything else about yeah, it. I, except couldn't, I couldn't give up. It was so good, I could not pry myself away from it. I watched it for... Five hours on Saturday and for five hours on Sunday. Fantastic. Now, you see why I watched that whole first uh, season in less than two days. I mean, I'm I like the, 18 the hours. I second season in for five days. And I'm actually, I'm in, I can tell now that I'm in sort of binge mode because I went to Powell's yesterday fully intending to buy the first book in the Dexter series. Uh, but it was like 15 bucks in paperback and I just couldn't swallow that. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy it maybe on Amazon or something used. I just I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to pay fifteen dollars for uh, for a paperback that was just not going to happen. Uh, but the but Cheryl upstairs, who by the way said she does not care she doesn't care if we refer to her as Cheryl the Hawaiian, she doesn't mind. So Cheryl the Hawaiian has I guess the whole Dexter series, but it, she's been lending it out. So I guess it's circulating the building and there's like a waiting list. And I think Dave's in Dave's has, in has got them right now. So in any event, I'll end up buying those. But it's fantastic. Uh, last night, uh, The Wire concluded. Uh, final episode of The Wire was last night, which was freaking genius. Uh, so we will talk about that with Peter Carlin later on. Um, let's see, what else? Well, that's kind of it. A um, couple things to talk uh, about in terms of uh, Friday. So, uh, Friday, if you were listening, you heard that there was, they did this whole birthday celebration punishment thing for me, uh, where there was bacon all over the studio, and then I had to hug people like three dozen times. So that was great. Uh, and then my wife and I went out to... Uh, there's this Italian place called um, Il Piata, um, which is kind of by, it's by Esparza's, and, which is fantastic. And then I went home and I did nothing this weekend. I didn't go out. I didn't go to a party. I didn't, I didn't, no one came over. I didn't go to a movie. 
I had uh, Italian food on Friday night, and then I spoke to no one for two days. It really was the best birthday weekend ever. Hmm. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It was just a whole lot of just eating and then sitting alone. Sitting in solitude because my wife is working. Just sitting there with the door shut, speaking to no one. It was it was the best weekend ever. Um, I had, yeah, I had very social uh, like weekend nights. Like I went uh, over to my friend's house, and she had a party on Friday, and then Saturday night went out. Um, but like all day, I, it was just I was totally the same thing. I was just in solitude, just sitting there, hanging out with my dog, watching Watch, watching a serial killer. And then I watched this horrible movie on TV yesterday too, called Mystery Alaska. Oh, Mystery Alaska! I heard about that, but I never watched it. Yeah, it has Russell Crowe in it. And yeah, he's sort bad. of a, he's a mixed bag. You know what I did watch this weekend? So I finished. So I finished Dexter season two on Friday night, and then on Saturday I watched that movie, uh, Leon the Professional. Uh, with Natalie Portman, where she's adopted by the hitman when she's about 11. Except I watched the director's cut, not the theatrical cut. The director's cut, which I think Aaron had lent me some time back. Boy, is that messed up. 25 minutes longer and just so unbelievably warped that not unlike when you're watching Dexter, you really do have serious misgivings about your own moral barometer while you're watching that movie. I mean, it's as messed up as the theatrical cut of it is. I mean, because really, she's an 11-year-old girl who's adopted by a hitman who then trains her to kill people. As much as that's effed up, Boy, the director's cut is just so much more so. I mean, there's just scenes that just make your skin it, crawl off and run for cover. There's that, and then I uh, started watching Deadwood last night, which was this uh, this show that aired on, uh, I think it was on HBO. I think it was like a, my like old roommate a, was obsessed with that show. I, I'm still, uh, my verdict is still out. I'm not really sure how I feel about it still. But you know what I'm going to start watching now? I, I've decided I'm just going to full-on go with it. I have a slight obsession with Michael C. Hall, so I'm going to start uh, Six Feet Under. Six Feet Under is a fine program. It really yeah, and is. And that's what I'm excited about because it has six seasons and I've never seen it, so that's going to be my next one. My estimation, they held on a couple seasons too long. Uh, you know, well, what can you do? Not everything's perfect. Not everything can end, uh, you know, flawlessly and wrap itself up after mm. three or four seasons. Uh, six Feet Under is pretty good. The first three seasons especially are fantastic. I think I might go to great. City Game Exchange and see if they have And it's it. got Peter Krause, uh, who uh, late of Sports Night and, uh, and a cast of thousands. So, uh, all right. Uh, well, let's do a couple of these phone. Oh, by the way, um, I, I have to mention this because so on Friday, some folks dropped some stuff off my birthday, and again there was the hugging and the cake with Dave Zinn's face on it upstairs. And, and it was yeah, and mine. It was all very strange. Nothing but love. Did you see the Dave Zinn cake? No, I did not. I hardly ever go upstairs. It was up on, good for you. It was up on the. He missed out. It was all like bonding time. I if only I could have that life. If only I could live my life without going upstairs. Um, but up in the conference room, there was a cake onto which they had airbrushed my face and Dave Zinn's face. Oh. So well, it I wasn't t- airbrushed. It was like those but photo you, cakes. Well, you know what I mean. But it was not airbrushed. But yeah, where they had, but it wasn't like with icing. I mean, it was, but it was photorealistic. I don't know how they did it. Like a computer or something. on the frosting? Well, that's, I don't know how they do that, actually. I don't know how they do it either. Because it's not like they squeeze it out of a tube. But they did that with, for Davey at Davey's party, too. So, in any event... So I, I cut out I, t- I cut out the piece of cake with Dave's in face and I took it home and gave it to my wife. So said here you here you are, honey. Dave's in face. Eat and live long. Um, so so for my birthday, people dropped off stuff. You know, Aaron brought me that great Life magazine with Ed Gein in it. So did anybody see the package that was sitting here against the wall of the studio mm-hmm. during the show? Okay, I didn't notice it until the end of the day. Um, I don't know. Dave said somebody dropped it off. They didn't say who they were. They didn't leave any contact information. Then Dave dropped, put it down in the studio, thinking I would see it. Anyway, so long story short, at the end of Friday's show, I'm cleaning up the studio and you know, kind of just taking everything upstairs, and I see this package leaning here against the wall of the studio. And I say, oh, I must have missed that during the show. I wonder who that's from. I take it upstairs and I open it. 
And there were two things inside. One, it was a Mad Magazine for my birth month. It was the Mad Magazine from March 1973. And then inside the package was a piece of framed, matted, original Mad Magazine artwork. Wow. Like the full-on, you can see the ink strokes. I, I mean, I can't. It, it's unbelievable. I got to hang it in my office right now. I mean, I immediately put it on the wall of my office. It was a piece of framed, original art from, uh, I do believe, a 1966 copy of Mad Magazine. And I don't mean like it was a reproduction or like it was a, like they got some original art and like photocopied it. I mean, it looks to be an original panel of art. You can, if you look in really closely, you can actually see the little scratches uh, where his where his pen made marks in the paper. So I don't know where they got. And the thing is, and there was no, and there was, I have no idea who dropped it off. It was some guy named Jeff. And the card said, "Hey, thanks for the great joke, Jeff. No email, no last name, no nothing." So Jeff, uh, if you're listening, I am humbled and shamed. I mean, it's it's fan freaking tastic. Um, so. Anyway, got that in my office right now. I mean, it was. I, and it just sat here for the whole show, and for I have no idea who it was. And I asked Dave, I'm like, hey, who dropped off this kind of that that picture frame looking package? And he goes, I don't know. It's just some guy. So some guy who didn't even leave his last name gave me this original framed artwork. It was it's amazing. So thank you, sir. So that is upstairs right now as we speak. Um, I got this email from somebody who had no sleep this weekend because of us. Let's see. What else? Well, let's do these calls, shall we? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Who this? Oh, hey, this is Sean. I was actually calling with three things. Uh, the first is, what was the opening song you used? I really dug that. Uh, that was Steve Earle. Uh, There's a song called Down in the Hole. It's a cover of a Tom Waits song. Uh, that is the theme song to HBO's The Wire, which concluded its five-year run last night. Oh, okay. Well, I don't get cable, so I wouldn't know that. But, wow, that was an awesome song. Yeah. Also, uh, the, my wife's working in a deli, and the stuff they use for the pictures on the cake uh-huh. is this really thin, edible film. So you can take a picture. It's just like a screen, um, silk screening, okay. except you do it on the thin plastic thing, and it's edible. Um, also, I had an ad, or I had an idea for uh, one of your uh, sponsors. Yes. Okay, um, are you are you being sponsored by CreditYes.com? Uh, well, they they're one of our fine advertisers. Yes, they are. Okay, so um, going with the theme of this show, what you do is you have these guys sitting around playing D and D, and one guy wants to buy like a sword, but he doesn't have enough gold. So the DM is like, "You can't buy this." And he says, "But ha ha, I have credit yes." And then they all cackle madly and talk about Doritos and Mountain Dew. Are you are you suggesting this now as the copy for a commercial? Yes. So it would be like, you know, I want to buy boots of escaping. And the other guy says, but you don't have enough credit. And then credit, yes, Steve or whatever appears and lets the guy buy that or like a goblet or a sword or something. Yes. All right, then. I'll, uh, I'll put that in the hopper, as they say. Okay. All right. Thank you, sir. You're very welcome. You go. Oh, by the way, to go, to go with the 20-sided die that Aaron brought in, uh, we now have the return of our... Dice of Destiny, oh, no. Sounder. Wonderful. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, good morning, everybody. What's up? Hey, so, Sarah, um, I know how much you like music, and I've got exciting news. Yes. Um, on April 11th at the Aladdin Theater, the Portland Cello Project is playing. Oh, are they now? Oh, are one they? Of my, one of my friends was maybe going to play... Um, I can't remember the name of his band. I think it's the Wonderstrucks. He was maybe going to do something with yeah, that. I don't know anything the about guy, that. The guy who wrote Geek Like Me, I think, some that sort guy, of local radio celebrity. That guy sucks. That's so bizarre. Yeah, but yeah, it's the Portland Cello Project. And that's April 11th? April 11th at the Aladdin Theater. Ah, nuts. You know what? I'm going to be out of town. That's Are you? I'm gonna be, I'm Are gonna you going to be gone? 
That, I'm in Vegas that weekend. Oh, damn you. you. Damn your soul to hell. Yeah, because I leave the 11th. Ah, uh, all right. Well, Garnish. somebody's probably going to tape it. So. Okay, yeah, somebody better tape it because I want to be able to be seeing that. Thank you for the heads up, sir. Yep, have a good day. Thank you. All right. Uh, and finally, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Is that me? Yes, it is. <laughs> hey, all I got was steady. Listen, you said Deadwood. I watched Deadwood one night. I mean, I didn't know what kind of a geek I was until I heard you say that you stayed home for 13 hours and watched Deadwood. No, well, I well. I mean, uh, no, you Dexter. did. Dexter. Um, yeah. Dexter. I did it to Deadwood, and stay with it. It gets better and better, and there's all kinds of twists and plots, and it's absolutely wonderful. Yeah, it's it certainly it seems like a good show. It didn't. I mean, it was it's one of those shows. My wife and I watched it last night, and I really had to sell hard on that because she hates westerns. And oh no, it's much bigger than a western. It's wonderful. I'm you just, just saying. Have to wait for it. I'm just saying it seemed like a well done show, but it was but it was a pilot, and you it's unfair to judge a show by pilots sometimes because you got to introduce everybody and you got to establish everything. So I'm gonna watch a couple more episodes tonight, and we'll see where we are then. Certainly watched, well written though. I watched all twelve of them in a, you know four days or something, and I was just <gasps> so taken, did so you? taken by the character study they did on it. It was just great. Okay, what what is your name? Susan. Susan. All right, just checking. All right. Uh, so Susan, excellent. Well, I will. Uh, I'll plunge on ahead uh, with Deadwood this uh, the, either tonight or tomorrow, and we'll uh, we'll see see where we are with that. Now I'm actually VCR taping Dexter on uh, the television. That's how geeky I am. So I can watch all of them later. You're VCR taping Dexter yeah. on the television. Yeah, yeah. That's that's where I am technologically. See, I can't even uh -huh. say that word. I'm a luddite. Anyway, someday I'll watch all Dexter. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Thank you, Susan. I'll uh, okay. I'll look into it. All right. Thank you. Okay. Bye. You know what I'm thinking. All right. Uh, well, I think. Oh, oh, by the way, just uh, one. I'm sorry. One final thing. A. When you talk to Susan Reynolds, try not to be distracted by the fact that she's developed an eye twitch. Just a little note to your note to self. B. Uh, this is a cool thing. We sort of poke fun at CVS sometimes, uh, our parent uh, corporation, the Tiffany Network. I have to tell you, and this will be of special interest to Tim, CVS is doing this really cool thing. Listener Melissa uh, alert. And I didn't even know this, and we work for CVS. Did you know that CBS is now showing full episodes, full seasons of some of their classic TV series online for free? Excellent. No, I did not. You go to CBS.com. This is not, I mean, I guess it is a plug, but I'm just saying this because she told me about this. CBS.com slash classics. Uh, full seasons of Melrose Place, Star Trek, Twilight Zone, MacGyver. You just click play, and they play right there in the monitor. It's fan the first two that seasons. fantastic. The whole first two seasons of the Twilight Zone are up there. You can just watch them right there in your oh, browser. cool. Yeah, and Melrose Place, which is sort of like the thing that doesn't belong, but what can you do? So, uh, Free Melrose Place on the Internet? Yes, indeed. CBS.com oh, slash classics. So uh, there you go. Fantastic. All right. Uh, let's do this final call. Then we'll break. Come back with Lisa Desjardins. Hello. Hi. Rick Emerson, radio program. Oh, my gosh. You were still in my wheelhouse about uh, Deadwood. At what point did you start talking about it? I missed the, uh, the first few minutes of the uh, show. Well, I was just talking about how this weekend I finished Dexter Season 2. I okay. watched. Uh, I got Leon, the professional director's cut edition, uh, watched. And then last night... Uh, my wife and I watched the first episode of Deadwood. We just started it. What, what prompted that? What, how did you come? Uh, up I had somebody it? somebody lent it to me. Uh, a listener uh, who uh, our listener Matt, uh, who was you know kind of knows I'm a big TV fan, and he's like, hey, you know, now that you're he knew I was wrapping up Dexter too. He's like, now that you're wrapped up with Dexter, okay. he's like, you got to give Deadwood a shot. Lent it to me, and my wife and I were uh, you know we were getting ready to. I think we we ordered in last night, and we thought you know, well we could <laughs> talk to each other or read a book. No no no, <laughs> let's a, watch television. 
So you just watched the pilot then? We just watched the pilot, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, now, are you aware of how old the show is? I mean, it, at the last uh, the last season, there were three seasons, and it ended, jeez, uh, a good 18 months ago. Yeah, probably. no, I know it's been off the air for a while, So, which is good because it means that now I can finish it all, and I won't have to wait for, some, wait for it to, like, catch up or for the By new season means, or something. I, I have. I watched it as it was uh, actually going in its uh, in its running its course on HBO, and then I've uh, I've got the uh, the DVDs, and I, I've probably watched the entire season probably six seven times over. It never gets old. You know, it's, and it's the, the the dialogue on Deadwood. First of all, it's relentlessly profane. I mean, it oh, may be yeah. it may be the most profane thing I have ever seen on television. It I is mean, wonderful. It is just that is it is the. But uh, there's a certain poetry to it. It, it really is. They, they just they paint a, uh, a just this. This ridiculous tapestry on every episode. You gotta just plunge, you know. Just just keep uh, keep going through. Yeah. Uh, by the time you get to like, uh, I've had to explain this to other people too. I think it's maybe around episode six or seven. Things really, really start to pick up speed. By the end of the first season, I think there's twelve or thirteen episodes. You're uh, all of a sudden. I I, I was like uh, people are with Lost. You know, you you get to the uh, the final. You know, episode of Lost. Right. And you're like, oh crap, no, I need more. No, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna go home and watch a few more tonight and try to get kind of a rhythm going with it. You will just let it, let it work itself out by this, you know, at least get to episode six, even if you have to do so, even you know, a little painfully. Yeah. But by by six, seven, holy crap, the thing just goes. And then season <laughs> two, season two will really. That's a, that's an uppercut to the taint. All right. <laughs> Thank you. All right. An uppercut to the taint. That's what we're going to start calling this show, An Uppercut to the Taint, The Rick Emerson Show. By the way, Wild Bill Hickok on Deadwood, played by the guy who plays that FBI agent in Season 2 of Dexter. Hmm. That guy who comes in from out of town, he and Deb have a little... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy, he's Wild Bill Hickok on Deadwood. All right, we have to break here. Back with Lisa Desjardins around the corner. Now, there's some kind of grease on the counter over here. Ew, there was over here, too, earlier today. You know, the thing is, we can't blame Matt anymore. That's what I was thinking. It's funny that just occurred to both of us at the same time. I can no longer blame Matt Peters. I mean, I can. Let's just continue to blame Matt. Even from afar, the grease continues to be spread. All right, 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. Uh, let's see. We'll talk to Steve Kastenbaum. Did you see this? Did you see that thing on the TV as you were walking into the restroom there? The, uh, the thing about the the uh, governor of New York? No, no, I saw the press conference. Two words. That... Ring and prostitution. <clears throat> All right. It's going to be a great day. Uh, later on, top five, Peter Carlin, etc. Without further ado, let us now welcome to the record the show from the hill, CNN radio correspondent Lisa Deja. Desjardins. <laughs> What's up? Hi, how you doing? <laughs> you know, I don't know if that really fits as a gang name. I should tell people what we're talking you about. You have to let everyone in, yes. So, um, so The Wire ended last night. And, it is, and by the way, I already got a bunch of, don't talk about spoilers about The Wire. Here's the thing. I was thinking about this last night and how I do come on the day after The Wire airs or whatever. And, it, and I always feel like I can't talk about it or I can't reveal what happened. But then I realized that we do have... We are of two minds about that here, because on the other hand, we come in on Friday, recently anyway, and we talk about the previous night's Lost in, like, excruciating detail. Mm -hmm. And no one worries about spoilers with that, because you just figure that, like, look, it was on last night, you should have watched it. So, here's the thing about today. I, I will sort of give people a heads up when wire discussion is about to begin, uh, <laughs> but I cannot pretend that we will not give spoilers, because it's, it's done, it's over, it was the, the series finale, it has to be discussed. 
So I think that's appropriate. Anywho, so I get this email from uh, from Lisa about the wire finale, and she uh, she's talking about her and Jason, and she's saying uh, it was a reference to the fact that the wire is over, and it's you know it seems very sad because one of the greatest series in the history that's of television has come to an end. Back and forth, yes, briefly. And, and you made this great line that you and Jason were you, you said that you said we might be moving to the furthest reaches of Baltimore, uh, you know, in a sad attempt to sort of cling onto the show, so we'll need gang names, <laughs> and so. And so I emailed back, and I came up with a gang name for both for both Lisa and Jason. And I the uh, although I realize now that yours sounds more like a stripper name, but the, the the name I came up with for Lisa was Deja. And then I came. This is how impossibly lame I am. And then for and then I came up. What was and then for Jason? I said something like his his gang name had to be like like J Day or something. Yes, that's what it was. It was like it was really. And then as soon as I sent the email, I just sat there and wept to myself in the dark about my own white lameness. <laughs> it, was so. like, as if it really was if the Brady Bunch tried to... <laughs> these would be the names. J-Day. What's up? I'm J-Day. Yeah, it really... A very Brady drive-by. <laughs> all right. Well, um, Jesus, there's all of this stuff going on today, like, like this thing with Elliot Spitzer, who's having a bit of a yeah, bad day. That? You know, we're waiting right now for this news conference. I, I guess you've told your listeners, apparently... Uh, the New York Times is reporting that Elliot Spitzer told some of his advisors he is has been or was involved in a prostitution ring. Now, this is presumably as a customer, not as like a guy taking a slice? Honestly, we have no idea. This uh, is one of those stories that here is what's happening at this moment in news world. Rampant speculation by people who know nothing is <laughs> going on. The truth is we don't know who the New York Times, who their source is. Uh, they quote an advisor, or they actually don't quote them, but they're sourcing an advisor. And this is great. This is a perfect example of our discussion last week. We can learn uh, these definitions. This was deep background, Excellent. just an advisor. We don't really know uh, who it was, no other description. Though you could argue it's background because it's an advisor to Spitzer, and there's probably not that many. Anyway, one of Spitzer's advisors saying that he has said he is involved or was involved with the prostitution ring. We have no, we don't know anything else. So many people are jumping to all kinds of conclusions now. It doesn't sound good. <laughs> the, New, the New York Times says, A person with knowledge of the governor's role said the person believes the governor is one of the men identified as clients in court papers. So that's like three degrees of who knows if it's even true. I It would be nice for once, instead of one of these guys being outed as being a John, to see one of them outed as being the guy behind the whole thing. You know, to, to, in, in other words, to learn uh, that Elliot Spitzer was in fact a pimp. You know what I mean? Really, honestly. I mean, that might only help his public standing in New York. I think Let's that be would, right? Being a client, though, being this... I, and the thing is, Elliot Spitzer really is one of the most... Uh, he's sort of a moral crusader, uh -huh. you could say. And and this this really does... This is going to be seen as one of the most blatant examples of hypocrisy. You know, Bill Clinton, of course... Uh, That's was, the gold standard. Yeah, he there. was... I mean, but however, was anyone really... Incredibly surprised. <laughs> no, <laughs> Elliot Spitzer. In fact, if I if I recall correctly, uh, and this may or may not be wrong, didn't uh, didn't Elliot Spitzer at one point actually prosecute a bunch of prostitution rings? And in at least two different cases, he yeah, had yeah. been involved in prosecuting prostitution <laughs> rings. And so you wonder if you know. Then of course, you, I'm sure everyone is using this joke. You know, two months later, does he call them up and be like, "Hey, you remember me?" <laughs> the uh, boy. I, his... liked, I liked what you wore to court. His... You know? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you still have your handcuffs. You still have the handcuffs. Wow. That guy's, that guy's whole day is made out of fail at this point. Fantastic. Uh, not so much for him. Uh, all right. Well, so we'll talk about That's that. On, yes. Um, and we've got now Barack Obama just actually. This is a entirely. Oh, actually, we have. I no, this is footage. I thought this might be him taking the podium. It's not. Uh, Barack Obama in the last two hours has also. This is a wholly incredible, different subject. I must say clearly, different subject. Barack Obama making it clear he is not running for vice president. We talked about this last week. How Hillary Clinton is trying to make Obama voters comfortable voting for her by saying, well. Why don't we make him vice president? How well, but do you think that is it is it able to? How do I put this? Um, do you think it is indicative of anything that he actually is now having to come out and address that? In other words, does that betray? Even though mathematically he's still the guy, does that betray a certain shift in the zeitgeist that he's now actually having to come out to say, like, no, I'm, I'm not going to be vice president? It, it indicates that that they are worried about this strategy that Hillary Clinton may be, in fact doing at least some chipping or really making her mark uh, by putting this out there and trying to make his voters comfortable voting for her. So it does indicate, yes, that they're worried that they, she may have something here and they're trying to fight it off. How far has she gone? How, how, much, you know, how many of his voters could she be courting? It's hard to say, but he wants to put a stop to it now. He, it, this is clearly a sign that they're worried about this argument here. I, uh, I saw today that uh, Al Sharpton has said he's going to file... It was some sort of a lawsuit, some sort of yeah. to stop them there from being a revote or a, a re whatever in in Florida and presumably in uh, Michigan too. Um, so, but is it is it not true? Maybe you're maybe I'm misremembering this that that some of Hillary's uh, supporters have now they are rallying to raise the money themselves to have this revote in Florida and Michigan. There are all sorts of things happening. Yes, that's right. There there are <laughs> across so many fronts with Al Sharpton. He is actually threatening a lawsuit if the Democratic Party uses the results from the Florida primary. He, he is actually, this seems a little counterintuitive for, for a civil rights uh, figure, but he is actually saying he will sue if those results are used. His argument is that uh, he says many voters stayed home because they thought it right. was a fake election. So he's suing to, to, keep those, to kick those results out. Meanwhile, you're right. There are all sorts of money issues. Now it sounds like they are moving toward this idea of mail-in votes because that would cost less, both in Michigan and in Florida. Uh, still, it would be $6 million in Florida alone. Florida said, no way, we're not paying for it. The Democratic Party said, we're not paying for it. So who's going to pay? Now supporters of the campaigns are trying to raise money on their own, and the idea is perhaps to funnel that money to the Florida Democratic Party, which can raise unlimited amount of money, essentially. And, and it, it's really it, it's really quite a mess. Is is without Florida and Michigan, um, how likely is it that, that that this goes to the convention to become some sort of some sort of a brawl there? Without Florida and without Michigan. Florida and Michigan. In other words, if if if, if Howard Dean or whoever, if, 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 you know, the, the sort of coterie of folks at the top just finally has enough and just says, "F it," if they're not counting and you've missed your chance and sorry, you better luck next time. I mean, are those? E, 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 are they sufficiently yeah. important that it's going to send it to the convention without them? I, I hear you. I, th I, I still think that I still think we're in the thirty percent range for going to a brokered convention. I, I really think sometime in June this is going to get worked out. Can you just hear in my voice how I root for chaos know, at every I'm, turn? You know, this reminds me though. There is another story that you love that we have to mention at some point. But I think getting into uh, getting to this, I think that Florida and Michigan. 
I don't think they particularly help or hurt. You know, I think they, I think things will still be uh, pretty tight. They may tighten things up. They may make it a little bit closer. But really, we haven't seen things change. Even after Ohio, Texas, and now Wyoming, we're still with that same 100 delegates between Obama and Clinton. It hasn't changed all that much. Uh, I just, I, you know, I already, part of me already wants to fast forward into 2010 or whatever so <laughs> that I can be reading the tell-all book about this campaign season. Yes, yes that's true. Uh, well, the other thing I have yeah. to mention very quickly, which I know that you love, constitutional showdown. Yes. How about that? So now the House is actually filing a lawsuit against the president. They have filed the lawsuit against uh, the you know two top White House figures, Harriet Myers when she was counsel, and now Josh Bolton, who's the current chief of staff at the White House. Uh, this is because those two officials have refused to testify in that U.S. attorney scandal. Remember all those U.S. attorneys who were fired and not clear why they were fired. Uh, these two know something about it, or Congress is pretty sure they do. It, it sounds like they do, but they were, they're refusing to testify on the record. Uh, and Congress went to the Justice Department with subpoenas. Justice Department said, uh, we work for the president. Sorry, can't help you. Now Congress is taking what may be an unprecedented step and suing these White House officials in civil court. That is fantastic. The, I knew you'd love it. The chaos for which I pray nightly may finally be delivered unto me. All right. Let uh, us all hope. Exactly. And we haven't even talked about the wire. I was going to say, as we get ready, so I will tell everybody now, I'll give you like your, your five-second warning. Uh, we're going to talk about last night's uh, wire, uh, which was the, the season and series finale. I, really, I, I know people are tired of hearing me say this, but really, just, just I, I don't know that I'm willing to declare it the best series ever. I know a lot of people have done that. I know Time Magazine's done it. L.A. Times did it. Entertainment Weekly called it the best show in the history of, of the medium. I don't know that I'm willing to say that right now, but... For, there's something to be said for a show that knows when it's time to leave. Uh, you know, as, as somebody said, every masterpiece has a final brushstroke after which you got to put it down and step away. And uh, they didn't overstay their welcome. They ended on one of the classic David Simon series of down notes. Um, the show is relentlessly bleak and cyclical until the very end where, as Al Giardello said on Homicide one time, nothing gets better, nothing ever changes. Yes. And uh, just, but beautiful in its bleakness, too. I mean, it, the, the thing about The Wire is that series uh, just indicts and excoriates that city the way that you can really only excoriate something you love. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Just you know, just like David Simon true. takes, true. He's, he really has taken an axe to to contemporary journalism, really as only someone who loves the newspaper business could do. So. That is really true, and and oh, that was such a good. You know, I questioned that plot line for a while there. I felt like, uh, you know, kind of, you know, I don't know. I liked the idea of it, but I I thought it was just it didn't quite seem believable to me like the rest of the show does because I'm not a drug dealer, so all that drug dealer stuff seems very believable. But the journalism uh, bit, but the, by the end, I'll tell you what, I, 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 I loved it. Here's another reason to love David Simon and that journalism plot is because David Simon, of course, worked at the Baltimore Sun. And how insane right. is the Baltimore Sun for allowing them to use the newspaper in that show? They, they were fantastic for doing it. That I, was great. I don't know who, I mean, they, they have, I mean, in a way, they've got to be regretting that decision. They, you know, they didn't make him come up with a fictitious newspaper or, you know, a, a, a Romana Clay uh, for that. I mean, they let him go ahead and use the actual newspaper, and then he just used it to bludgeon them because... The pub yeah, the publisher, and then I guess it was it seemed like the managing editor character. And the David... Most of them all, yeah, were just... Whew. And David Simon has based... He based that whole Baltimore Sun thing about the guy fabricating news stories 
on a real series of stories at the actual Baltimore Sun that for which they won a Pulitzer and to which to this day David Simon believes were fabricated. Oh, really? I did not realize that because I know, of course, as he made reference, there have there have been in the last two decades a, a number of journalists who have been busted. Yeah, there's talk about Jason Blair. There have been a, a number that for you know completely making up stories or. Fictionalizing. Uh, David Simon is a guy who holds onto a grudge like nobody's business. And uh, there was a series of stories about lead paint poisoning at the Baltimore Sun that won them some awards. Huh. And Simon, to this day, said he believes that, that the guy made it up, that he that he fabricated a lot of the story. And so this was obviously a long, simmering grudge for which he was about, you know, he used this to settle the score. So that's a thing I can admire. <laughs> I think, I, you know, we're Baltimore Sun, but that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, of course, the Washington Post won a Pulitzer for something that reporter, their reporter, her name was Janet Cook, did did make up. She put together several, she says, real-life people, but composites. made them one character, right? Yeah. Uh, Jesus, what else? I, mean, I don't even know where to start. I, I thought it was uh, all the way, of, you know, the people, it really, to me, it really showed, to, what I love most about it is it showed what I see in Washington so much. And, and forget, I don't want to get on a soapbox here, so uh, knock me down if I do. But it, you really do see with Carcetti, with the politicians, you see people coming in with these, you know, sort of great ideas. You know, I really am going to clean up the streets. I really understand the real problems. And then by the end, you see them making these trade-offs where yep. they're firing people who are who are giving them the honest statistics, where where all they care about is, or what they care about most rather, is configuring this sort of Jenga of, uh, you know, political wins so that it'll, it will propel them further. And, th and that is exactly what happens here. You see people with the best intentions just getting power crazy. You know, is... they, they did such a good job of showing how that happens. And, and they made it believable. They earned it. Um, they did. And it is, the, it, is, it is the institutional and systemic disease of compromised morality. I mean, that uh, in principles, that really is the defining characteristic of that show. And at the end, you've got, you know, a lot of the poetic touches, too, where what the character, the junkie character of Bubbles, uh, he, yeah. you know, how you've got uh, Michael who becomes the new Omar as... That's not great. I love that. Du yes. And Duquan becomes the new Bubbles as Bubbles becomes himself again. Yes. Uh, and you've got uh, the, the, the jackhole uh, guy from season two becoming the police commissioner at the very end, <laughs> the, the least qualified person for the job. I mean, you, yeah. I mean... And then Marlo cannot stay off the streets, although I thought maybe they were going to... Put him in business for real, but they just, just couldn't do it. No, I mean that, and that really is that is the defining characteristic of the wire. That everything is a cycle, everything comes back to the beginning, and the, the, an especially nice touch, the final piece of music they used at the end, which is that reprise of "Down in the Hole" by Tom Waits, is in fact the version they used on the very first episode five years ago. It's fantastic. So. It's it, yeah, I, I I loved I loved every bit of it. it and they don't the characters that you, they don't spare the characters that you love like Duquan, you know that you kind of other shows would would you know somehow make it right. Like he'd move in with the teacher, he'd somehow it'd be okay. I, you get the sense that they're kind of really thinking, what would happen to this kid? Yep. This is this is, this is probably something that happens to kids like him who who have no one. It's I have to tell you that that and and the way that they that the character of Snoop went out last week. Yes. It was we were talking about the listeners didn't realize but that that was just a fantastic scene. Unexpectedly poignant and heartbreaking and great and yes. anyway, I can't say enough about it. Um are you on tomorrow? I am on tomorrow. 
All right, fantastic. We're, we're... I hope Elliot Spitzer might uh, jump on before this call ended, but it looks like he... He's, put, he's putting off this news conference. We're, we're, we're watching it right now. Okay. So, uh, yeah, we're watching it right now on the screen, and I was actually thinking the same thing. For some reason, he doesn't seem necessarily uh, eager to come out uh, and and face the people at the moment. So, uh, no, not so much. Not so all right. It is, uh, it's going to be a good day. Uh, all right. Enjoy your day. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Lisa. Okay, great. There you go. Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. So, apparently, they have text messages of Spitzer. Concerning this about prosecutors with whores, uh, and uh, the website of the Emperor's Club VIP shows photographs of prostitutes' bodies with their faces hidden, along with the hourly rates. The most expensive, five thousand five hundred dollars an hour. An hour. They're what? rated with one diamond, the lowest, and seven diamonds, the highest. So which ones did this governor use? I, it, who five thousand dollars an hour for a whore? I mean, really, honestly, I don't mean to be crude, but this is the Emperor's Club VIP. You know, huh. that, you know what it is. Here's the thing. That's like those. Uh, we don't have this here, but what is that place that scores uh, in New York, and then a strip club in New York scores, and it's like a really, really, really ritzy, really upscale strip club on the East Coast, and it's a it's same thing, like thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. and I mean, you know, whatever, if one, and, and everybody, you know, and we're we're all very libertarian on this, I mean, somebody wants to patronize hookers, whatever, I don't care, uh, I mean, it, if you're going to patronize hookers, it would help if you weren't a guy that had prostit- uh, prosecuted prostitution rings, I've got this right here, um, is uh listen to this so um as attorney general this is why we care as attorney general he prosecuted at least two prostitution rings as head of the state's organized crime task force in one such case in 2004 mr spitzer spoke with quote revulsion and anger after announcing the arrest of 16 people for operating a prostitution ring out of staten island so so that's why it matters. I mean, it ought to be legal, just like drugs ought to be legal. But as long as it's not, why don't you not prostitute, uh, prosecute, I keep saying prostitute. Why don't, you, why don't you not prosecute hookers and johns while being a john with hookers? Jackass. So, uh, there you go. But $5,000 an hour? $5,500 an hour. Okay, here's the thing. That's bizarre. I'm not advocating that anybody break the law. But, he, but if somebody knows the answer to this, I really do want to know. And I'm not going to pass any judgment. Again, I don't really care. But... Uh, w- what separates a $5,000 an hour hooker from, like, a $500 an hour hooker? Maybe the AAA ratings. <laughs> this is a Gats guide. <laughs> <laughs> well, they rank from one diamond to seven diamonds. Do they say what the that rating does sound like is? the Gats. Do they, yeah, do they say based on what? Well, we'll have to look it up. The Emperor's Club VIP. Uh, I don't CBS will let us go to that, will they? Uh, well, let's find out. What is the website? Emperor's Club VIP. Emperor's Club M for Or's Club. Emperor Emperor's Club VIP dot com. Mm-hmm. It might be dot com. I'm not sure. Oh, I keep misspelling Emperor. That's a word that looks wrong when you write it. Totally. M P E R O R S. That's down. It's not a Emperor's Club. Yeah, it's an, oh, I'm I'm sorry, I mistyped it again. I have had to spell this like six times. Here we go. Oh, I'm sorry. The site's been disabled. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, okay. Sorry about that. Jesus. Time Magazine named him Crusader of the Year when he was Attorney General, and the tabloids proclaimed him Elliot Ness. Now he's Elliot Mess. <laughs> All right, we should probably break here so we can come back and be on, uh, be on top of this. New York governor tells staff he's involved in prostitution ring. Jesus. Yeah. Eh, lose. 
All right, back after this. 503-733-2970. Don't go anywhere. No, that's where my books go. What am I supposed to do with this? Straight Dear Station Manager, would you like to interview the author of... No, Straight to Fowls. What is the book called? Um, I just received a book from, I don't know, some publishing house called 20 Chickens for a Saddle, The Story of an African Childhood. And you get right on that. Would you like to interview the, the writer? No. I'd like to interview not. one of the chickens. All right. Well, I just let me just say, and I won't reveal who we're talking about, but... Uh, Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it was just the one day. Because I think that one day that I'm talking about, I think he had a good look going on. But maybe, but you know what? You you see better than I do in things like that. And, I, and I'm only thinking of the one day. So maybe in the overall, maybe he's still searching for a look. That's all I I'm saying. I think so. I don't... Yeah, yeah we, we must discuss at a later date. All right. Susan wants us to have his colors done, though, because Susan does believe... Uh, that this person, I'm sorry, then we'll move on because then we're talking about inside baseball stuff. But Susan, we have a coworker. Susan does believe that this person wears exactly the wrong colors and therefore looks like a corpse much of the time. So, <laughs> I think that that was, she said? that's actually how she put it. Uh, all right. Uh, moving on. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth. This is Tim Riley. Got a corpse in an open casket or a closed casket? Uh, open, unfortunately. After some protracted illness, I think. Well, that is a shame. Some... Perhaps you should consider cremation. Some... <laughs> Do we have a cremation company advertising? No, but we should. I think I, I think we have somebody playing peppy music for funerals. No, there is. There's a funeral home, or I mean, one of our fine sponsors whom we respect. Uh. I do believe we have some client that's like a mortuary or whatever, but they're playing carnival music in the background, which is it's great. terrific. It is. No, that's a thing that would only happen on this radio station. Uh, do you remember that uh, WKRP episode where they had a mortuary as the client, yeah. and they were all in the booth singing the jingle? All right. Uh, so at any moment, Riley. we're going to be switching live to a news conference with New York Governor Elliot Spitzer. And uh, let's see here. Now, is this uh, is this the only channel we can get? No. Are we able to get CNN on this? I believe so. If we As a proud it. CNN affiliate, it would be uh, great if we could get all right, CNN. Let, let's see here. I don't know where they might be. So is this all on the board? Yeah, well, it should all come up through the board. I'm not sure what channel CNN is. Uh, no, because I'm getting different. I'm still getting audio. From MSNBC? Yeah, whatever this uh, disk net is. Okay. Well, that's odd. We have right. to find CNN. Well, audio is the same on all the networks. That's probably true. The audio might be the same if they're doing I'm sure I'll find CNN when it comes time to do the audio. All right. I mean, the audio is going to be. I mean, the audio is going to be the same, I suppose. Yes. But uh, so anyway, right. in case you just joined us, but Governor Elliot Spitzer of New York claims he has been involved or admits to being involved in a prostitution ring, and these are not some cheap whores either. Uh, you can pay up to $5,500 an hour for these. Wonderful. We have no idea how much he paid for his alleged uh, participation. This is from the Emperor's Club VIP, which shows photographs of the prostitutes' bodies, along with the hourly rates, and they're rated one diamond to seven diamonds. Now, if you were the governor of New York, how many diamonds would you go up to? Uh, well, apparently seven. If you're I mean, well, uh, you know, one well, has to... a Democrat, I believe. One has to choose between frugality and, uh, frugality and excitement, apparently. So. so we're going to switch to the governor any minute when he decides to uh, 
to come out and, and face the music. Grace us with his presence. Apparently, he's he's uh, told his loyal subjects that, yes, he is involved. And we understand there are some text messages that the prosecutors have by indicating his uh, involvement with these uh, ladies. You know, is this... Uh, no. 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 No, this is an no, old press I'll, I'll keep listening. All right. Yeah. It'll okay. stay live when we go. All right. Anyway, uh, there's some urgent uh, local matters here. For instance, a flying goose shattered the windshield of a Salem patrol car as the officer was driving through town. Uh, officer Jeff Kiniston was driving westbound on State Street near Kettle Court, responding to assist another officer who was uh, struck by a flying object. He quickly pulled over to see what caused the damage and found an injured Canadian goose. The goose is still alive. Uh, he did what he could to help the goose and then transported it to an emergency goose clinic. Uh, authorities had closed down a stretch until they investigated the incident. So uh, the goose will be fine. A string of vehicles, both large and small, have been set ablaze in Gresham in recent days, and police are trying to figure out who's responsible, like three-quarters of the town people. Uh, police said somebody set two vehicles on fire Thursday night, damaged at least five more Friday and Saturday. And then when detectives uh, returned to work today, they learned even more vehicles were hit. And some of these were even nice. Uh, somebody in Gresham owns a Land Rover, and that was destroyed. I think owns might be... Uh... An elastic term, but that's okay. So the Gresham person said, I am in shock. I don't know why. So maybe they're new to town. <laughs> we haven't had a story like this in the longest time. A Washington State couple whose car was snowbombed in Central Oregon were rescued after the husband hiked about 19 miles before he could get cell phone service and call for help. Uh, Kenneth and Andrea Phelps of the Cove live part-time at Eagle Creek Resort near, near Redmond. They were visiting Lake Billy Chinook. Oh, really? There's a name from the past. Home of Scotty J. Lake Billy Chinook this week to watch eagles that nest in the River Canyon and got their car stuck. They stayed overnight in the car. When they tried to walk out, Andrea slipped and injured her ankle, forcing her back into the car. So her husband, Ken, hiked 12 hours along a remote road to reach Highway 20, about four miles northwest of Sisters, and was finally able to call 911 after he found cell phone service. So uh, snowmobiles rescued Andrea and the tow truck retrieved the car, but... It's dangerous out in those woods all the time. Uh, in case you are joining us, we are waiting uh, for... Is this, now, is this Elliot Spitzer, governor of New York himself, that will be uh, stepping to the microphone at some yes, point, presumably? Will. Who has informed his most senior... This is from the New York Times. Has informed his most senior administration officials that, officials that he had, quote, been involved in a prostitution ring. A prostitution ring is sort of interesting, because it, as opposed to simply, like... Just like sleeping with one prostitute. Yeah, simply, well, yeah, simply stuffing sh- sh- a hooker. Um, a prostitution ring, because that makes. Oh, it... let's go. Uh, let's go to this here. Very I think much. I, have a I will report back to you in short order. Thank you very much. Alan, are you still on no. the phone with me? Oh yes. Uh, I, I, let me just ask you for your reaction in there. We just he, hear him saying that he needs time now to get back and, and rebuild the trust that he's lost with his family. Wait, did we miss it? Well, no, I think we missed it because she, she talked to it halfway through it. She just it on miss a classmate of my daughter, my granddaughter. It's a very close-knit family, well, a wonderful we, family. He has a wonderful life. It was a one-sentence statement. What kind of a jip was that? Is she talking to someone? Oh, wait, hang on, hang on, Mike. Don't even come to the surface. Damn you, Elliot Spitzer. We're living in America, and in our right. country, these issues are oh. given a lot of prominence. Okay, well, uh, Susan Filan, our uh, legal analyst, was well, pointing out that as a, a prosecutor, as a state attorney general, certainly, I hate it when politicians give short sentences. Known. All right, well, I guess we'll uh, we'll well, come we back to it. it. I'm going to I'm trying. I'm trying to find it here on. I'm trying to find it here on CNN. What a what a weasel! It abuses our trust. It breaks the hearts of children everywhere, and then come, and it gives a one sentence statement over the phone. 
It's got to be stopped, oh, really. All right. Now, on that remote control, we're such idiots. Like we've never, we've never bothered to learn how to use the TV, and now that there's some guy sleeping with horrors, it's too late. Um, I think that there's, you can either change. Yeah, I think you're changing the. You're changing the channel the on the television, as opposed to changing the channel that you are receiving on the satellite. Oh, so I should go back to. I think you should go back to three. 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 Four, maybe. Well, four, maybe. There you go. Three. And then, is there a selector on there to show what you're changing? Like maybe the the satellite or some such. Sleep power wide display guide. Let's go to the guide. Like maybe a. Uh... And it does nothing. <laughs> Feature only available for digital channels. Is there a button that just says satellite? No, it does not. Well, that's wonderful. Is our engineer here, Matt? Yeah, but you realize that we really... don't know how to work the television. <laughs> Really, that is it. We actually have no idea. We're, how to, we're the rabbit ears to this anyway. <laughs> really, honestly. I, uh, all right, somebody get on the roof and jiggle the thing. Uh, Tools, display? All right, I don't know. Well, none of this works. You want me to try some? <laughs> sure, if you want. Oh, what is this menu? Un menu. Uh, okay. Wait, external input, digital? I, I know so. this is gripping for the audience <laughs> listening to us trying to work a television. Digital. <laughs> And it's a big blue screen. <laughs> no, no digital, digital channels. channels. Okay. Okay. Well, fantastic. Let's go back. Well, I'm restarting my computer over here because I went to listen to I went to go to the CNN uh, affiliate site that they gave us, and then my browser completely crashed. Oh, here. And it wait, says wait. I need to. A... I've acted in a way that violates my obligations to my family, and that violates my or any sense of right and wrong. I apologize first and most importantly to my family. I apologize to the public for my promise better. I do not believe that politics in the long run is about individuals. It is about ideas, the public good, and doing what is best for the state of New York. But I have disappointed and failed to live up to the standard I expected Hiding in of my myself. Office, like a woman. I must now dedicate some time to regain the trust of my family. I will not be taking questions. Thank you very much. I will report back to you in short order. Thank you very much. So, he doesn't mention his reported involvement in a prostitution ring. He doesn't actually use the word whore at any point. No. So, I maybe he couldn't spell it. What a, what a weird way to end the call. I will report back to you in short order. Was that over the phone? I think it was. He literally phoned it in, I think. And he, and he ended the, I will report back to you in short order. It sounds like, uh, like when one cop sends another one to buy a slushie. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I don't know. It, it looks like they only have lime, no cherry. I'll report back in short order. Over. No, he has apologized. But to who? Did he apologize to everyone or to just his just family? Just to the public and his family. And to his family. But not living up to his own standards. Whatever I mean, those are. I wonder where that call was being placed from. I don't know. I mean, I wonder. Was he phoned in the bunker? I. But but I mean, is that like from his office? Is that it? Couldn't be from home. I can't imagine. I can't imagine he wants to be hanging around his house right now. So, so he, he's linked as a customer to the Emperor's VIP Club. That's all we know. And so they, and this is a a seven star uh, hooker service. It goes all the way up to seven stars. You don't have to start at seven. I wonder. Work your way up. Try one <laughs> and see if it's worth your while. You can put a toe into the water, really, with one of your. Uh, does it say what the? Uh, so the what are the most expensive hookers at this place? Five thousand five hundred dollars. An hour? It doesn't say for how long. Well, what it's got. Get? I mean, it, I wonder if that's. Uh, There's so many questions I have about hookers and no one to answer them. So. Five thousand mm -hmm. dollars. That's got to be for the night. 
That has to be. That has to be for like a... But when they say that, you know, like you'll see... I say as though I know a lot about hookers. But, you know, this could all be wrong because a headline a few minutes ago said that Spitzer is expected to resign when he holds a news conference. Was that considered to be a news conference? I guess so. <laughs> well, he didn't resign. Where he just, it was a news conference sort of Charlie's Angel style, where it's just sort of, Angels, I need some time to rebuild the trust. I will report back later. Out. Uh, so, it, yeah, didn't really say what that was going to be, but I... Like in movies and whatever, you'll hear, uh, you know, whenever a hooker's talking to a, a, a John or whatever, the, the hooker says, well, it's $100 an hour, you know, 500 for the whole night. And then I was I was kind of wondering what for the whole night means. Is that uh, like until 6 a.m.? Do they do it like radio day parts where like you can, you know, like at 6 a.m. the clock starts ticking again? No, like PM drive? Exactly. Or is it like for a spent, like is it for 12 hours or for, um, like, I guess that we, we, it seems like we ought to have somebody... Who can answer this question? Because there are uh, legal uh, brothels and whatnot in this country, like in sections of uh, in sections of Nevada. And I think there it's just like an hourly thing. I think maybe, maybe it's like seventy-five for a half hour or something. Or I don't know. I've never patronized such an establishment. Maybe. Well, I know someone who has, but I forget exactly the pricing structure. As he explained it to me. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. You calling about horse? Uh, sort of uh, politics. Okay. Uh, you were saying uh, to Lisa, I think, that um, Congress is suing uh, the guys in civil court? Uh, yeah, the White House, yes. Yeah, the interesting thing there is that means if uh, they find against the defendants in favor of Congress, President Bush can't pardon uh, their way out of it. Well, because I, it'll be a civil liability instead of a you know a legal well, this is one of those days where there's like 500 different big stories happening, and that one, so there's that one, uh, yeah, where they are, in fact, suing the White House, which I'm going to have to wait for Lisa to explain that in greater detail to me tomorrow, because it was all very, it was just pr trying to process, like, way too much information today. So, what with the Wire and the Hookers and the Dexter and the, and the what? All right, yeah, do you, hey, Dexter, Hookers and Wire? Yes. Huh? Huh? Right. You see, you see right, what I did there? Right, thank yeah. you. All right, bye now. Okay, here's Tim Riley. So, he was expected to resign a few minutes ago, but he hasn't. So all the speculation was wrong. Maybe he'll barricade himself in his office and refuse to come out. How great would that be? Until I get an eight-diamond hooker. <laughs> what does that guy in, think about it? What does that politician do in RoboCop? And I want a, I want, I want, I want another recount. And no matter how it comes out, I want my old job back. Fantastic. All right. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still restarting my computer, by the way. I'm now on minute number uh, five, I think, of trying to get my computer to reboot. All because I attempted to go to the. Uh, all because I attempted to go to the CNN affiliate site, and it broke my machine. So I'm uh, rebooting over here. Bad. I'm going to have to look at that remote control later and see if I can figure out how we can use this television. Uh, because... An inspection booklet of some sort. Well, because here's the thing about this TV. is that So they hung the TV on the wall when they first built the studio, and then for the longest time, the TV didn't work, like, at all. It was just more of a decoration. It really was completely decorative. It didn't do anything. It was sort of just like a, like a like some sort of a burnished mirror that hung there because you couldn't even turn it on. Now you can turn it on. But it somehow defaults to MSNBC, and we can't figure out how to change the channel. <laughs> Tim, are you just jabbing random buttons? Well, I'm hoping to get a picture here eventually. <laughs> well, how many, there's only there's only 17 buttons on there. How many how many combinations could there be? All right. I uh, okay. I'm attempting to uh, to reboot uh, the CNN affiliate site here. But we can get some audio now that now that he's just done this hit and run thing over the telephone. Oh, I mean, I still have the audio. But I don't. But I think that's from the same channel. Okay. I don't think we've been able to change the channel yet. So, all right. I'll see what I can get over here. All right. Yeah, if we can find out what uh, channel CNN is. By the way, we will. And that's the other thing is, 
Here's the we're, all this on-the-job training. Here's, I guess we should have thought about this, you know, months ago. Does anybody know from where our signal comes? Is this like the Dish Network? Is this cable? Is it Direct TV? Who knows from where we get our television signal? I think this is Direct TV. Is it, it Direct TV? Yes. Well, for a while it was working. Does anybody? Isn't digi- Isn't Direct TV digital though? Well, it says we don't have any digital channels. Well, maybe it's satellite then. Well, I let's think go, it is. Let's go back to uh, digital. No, no digital no, channels no digital. were found in your face, Sarah. No, I didn't say digital. I said satellite. But I mean, satellite is digital, isn't it, Bruce? I don't know. I don't really know the I answer. I haven't had cable in years. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we can poke around here. We've now day. become our own grandparents, by the way. In, <laughs> in, incapable of actually dialing in any channels at all on our television. All right, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. A roughly 100 bicyclists, either naked or almost naked, rode through the states of Eugene streets over the over the weekend, and it turned confrontational. The riders cheered, chanted, and stopped traffic as they pedaled through the states naked. But police officers stopped the naked cyclists several times, who failed to obey traffic signals and ordered some women to put their tops on. See, they're out to break the law anyway. At one point, the officers tried to make arrests, but the crowd grew angry. They decided to let the riders continue. Uh, peddling their ugliness in public. <laughs> peddling their ugly wares. They're sagging ugly fat. <laughs> peddling. That they think everybody wants to see. That's fantastic. And I love the phrase peddling their ugliness, by the way. That's a double pun. Well done, mm-hmm. Tim Riley. Uh, naked riders have staged uh, dozens of these uh, throughout the uh, world in recent years, but none as ugly as this one. The purpose is to protest global oil dependency, I'm sure. Uh-huh. And celebrate the human body, or as close to it as they can possibly get, I suppose. It's a rather spongy definition of uh, the human body, by the way. All right, wait, hold on. I uh, I think I may have something over here, Sarah. All right, here, yeah, I have this audio. Okay. All right, now, what, see, that's just the, See, but we can't change the um, I, I channel, unfortunately. Point, yeah. If you were... Yeah, see, this is not... All right, I think I may have the droids we're looking for over here. All right, here we go. Sarah, can you bring up my computer? Mm-hmm, it's up. Let's see. No mention of that at all. And what was interesting, okay, this is CNN. About, I don't know if you could hear it there in the press room, but when uh, the governor came out and and made his statement and started speaking, he had indicated how this how he had violated his family, violated his sense of right and wrong, and that he wanted to apologize. And at that moment, there were several reporters who screamed out, "Well, then do it, apologize." <laughs> I mean, you could actually hear some of the anger in the in the room and at that point he did say i want to apologize to the public pointing out that uh how how badly he had disappointed not only himself but also we got a clear indication that he was not going to resign that he was going to use this opportunity to try to rebuild the public trust so he's not going to resign he's going no to he's going to rebuild the public trust. it's funny it's funny he, he wouldn't be he wouldn't like say that in the room i'm not going to resign he says from behind a wall one scandal before this how uh one of his aides uh allegedly was investigating the the majority leader, the Republican majority leader, Joseph Bruno, he's the state's top Republican. And what we want to do is let you hear the entire announcement because we uh, cut it offshore a little bit before. So here's exactly this is what CNN covering the, the uh, governor of New York Elliot Spitzer uh, four scandal. Ago. Good afternoon. Hello. For the past nine years, eight years as attorney general and one as governor, I've tried to uphold a vision of progressive politics that would rebuild New York and create opportunity for all. We sought to bring real change to New York, and that will continue. Today, I want to briefly address a private matter. I have acted in a way that violates my obligations to my family 
and that violates my or any sense of right and well, wrong. Well, wait, this is so apparently he did do it in person. And most importantly, to my family, I apologize to the public whom I promise better. I do not believe that politics in the long run is about individuals, it is about ideas, the public good, and doing what is best for the state of New York. But I am disappointed and failed to live up to the standard I expected of myself. I must now dedicate some time to regain the trust of my family. I will not be taking questions. Thank you very much. I will report back to you in order. Thank you very much. Okay, so Fox is reporting. Again, that he has been indicted really by the Southern exactly District of New York. What happened? I would bring him to make this apology. All right. So that's so. This is Fox saying that. Uh, Fox is reporting that Spitzer has been indicted by the Southern Division of New York for quote acts committed in the District of Columbia unquote. Uh, all right. So this was in wait in the District of Columbia. Yeah, that's what it says here. So did he travel all that way just to find hookers? Well, what's strange here is he's reportedly linked as a customer to the Emperor's VIP Club which has been busted by federal prosecutors in New York. All right. That's all very... So he gets around. Maybe it's, maybe it's a franchise of some kind. Oh, that could be. All right. Uh, let's see here. Maybe this is a person that I had to restart my computer so I can't see it. Uh, hello. Hi. Are you calling about hookers? <laughs> no, not exactly. Really? How hard can it be to get a hooker call today? Well, what do you want to know? Here's a... Are you are you are you no. think I mean, so first you don't know anything about hookers now you want to know what I want to know? Um, I didn't say I didn't know anything. I just said I wasn't calling about them. Well, no. So here's my question. I think my so he was these hookers at this place where he was allegedly a customer are like five grand. So my whole thing is not only like why would a hooker possibly be worth five? Like what really is that like one of those things they sell in New York restaurants? I was watching the Susie Orman show the other day, and there was there's where the, that segment where the, where you call up and you tell her what you want to buy, and she tells you whether or not you're financially sound enough to be able to buy it. And this guy wanted to go to some some restaurant in Manhattan where they sell you a hot fudge sundae that's eight hundred and fifty dollars because it's filled <laughs> with like gold leaf or something. And it was one of those things of like what like, what kind of ice cream sundae could possibly be worth eight hundred and fifty dollars? And it's just it, it's the kind of ice cream sundae you just sell to some dick who wants to buy something expensive for its own sake. So my thing is, A, what could a hooker possibly do that is worth $5,000? And B, like, what is the difference between a $5,000 hooker and a $500 hooker? And do they explain that, like, is there a menu of some kind? Is there some sort of a... You know, like when you're buying a vacation package to Disneyland or something, and they, they list out package A, B, and C? Like, package A is unlimited e-tickets plus five nights at the hotel plus meals. Package B is an e-ticket, some meals, but only three nights. And package C is like a hotel and, like, coupons to the subway or something. So my question is, what are the difference between the various hookers and what they charge? Well, that that is definitely part of it, I believe, is is your options. But then I, I also think it's more of a uh, market-driven commodity, too. Like, I used to live in Vegas, and I know they have, like, hookers for $1,000 an hour there, but that's why you can get one up here at MLK for 20 bucks. Okay. <laughs> Thanks so much. All right. but I was, the original yes. reason I called was about your TV problem. I, yes. used to be a, I used to be a cable guy, and if, you're, if you lose everything when you change your channel from Channel 3, yeah. that means it's not being fed directly into that TV. Your source is coming from somewhere else, like a, a dish or a cable receiver. No, I think we have satellite. Okay, well, you would have to actually change the channel on that satellite receiver that's feeding your TV then. Oh, right. I bet. No. He's totally right. Remember last time we couldn't change it? Matt had to go back into, this, oh, um, into the room and All change right. channels for us. Okay, excellent. Thank you, sir. No problem. All right. 
All right. Well, can we turn that off for now? Because I find myself compulsively watching it. And there's not. There's going to be no additional news, so it's just going to be a distraction. All right. Uh, maybe. The, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Rick, is it me? Yes, it is, sir. Sorry, brother. Okay. Here's the deal. This totally goes against my morals, even calling to talk about uh, expensive hookers. But yeah. I, I, I think even from uh, education as deep as the Family Guy, high class hookers are like. Girls, I mean, get cigarettes put out on them and, like, slapped around and all sorts of crazy stuff. So this guy's got to be one step, you know, further into psychosis than... Wait, are you really are you really basing all of your hooker knowledge here on episodes of an animated series on Fox? Damn it. See, I knew this was going to turn around on me. I am, and... Uh... And, uh, yeah, so you're saying, so your guess, because I guess really all we have right now is speculation, your guess is that a really, really expensive hooker is one who might be available for, uh, as they used to say, rough trade. <laughs> rough trade? What about the end of Requiem for a Dream? Uh, when they're up in the, you know, like, now it's probably a good five grand someone dropped on that little episode. Okay, that's true. That's I haven't really thought true. about that. Except, you gotta, except don't you think that all those guys probably went, they chipped in on it together? <laughs> yeah, I do. That's a serious, yeah, that's and then what like, it looks like. And then Keith David charged, like, a door fee. Made Marion. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's probably a uh, corporate penny. Uh, right. I'm out, brother. Winnie Poopy. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks so much. All right. Here's Tim Bryant. What is, is it already 1230? It is. Yeah, and there's like crazy in the arrogance today. It's amazing how much time you can lose when, A, you're talking about the wire, B, a guy gets busted for whores, and C, you can't work at television. So, uh, all right. So, I guess we've given up on television. Well, so I guess he was in the room. I guess we spoke too soon because CNN, that's what we get for going with the substandard news source. Mm -hmm. CNN, though, did have footage of him in the room speaking to the reporters. Mm -hmm. And I guess the other network just was that they only were able to get it over the phone, apparently. So the latest is that he will not resign, apparently. No, he's going to rebuild the trust. How do you suppose he would, how do you suppose he would do that at this point? He's going to figure that out this afternoon, but he's not quitting. <laughs> he's going to figure we've got people working on that. <laughs> Uh, Jesus, he just looks weaselly too. I'm looking at him. I'm looking at him oh, right now. New York. No, he. How oh, honest can a person be to be elected? There. Oh, and here's the thing. Do you know how they caught him? Have you, have you Text seen messages? Mm. I heard. That and a federal wiretap recorded. Speaking of the wire, which of course the wire, the TV series, got its name from the wiretapping of the phones of drug dealers. Um, a federal wiretap recorded Spitzer arranging to meet with a high-priced prostitute. Uh huh. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, speaking from no experience, this is just a guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking uh, maybe it weeds out the, you know, high-priced hookers weeds out low-class Johns. What oh, I see, I see. In other words, uh, in other words, you're saying that the price is not set because of how hot the hookers are, what they do, but simply because... They want uh they want to get rid of low rent customers and that's a way to that's a way to make sure you only get you know although that that wouldn't even because I you know a lot of people who are maybe scurrilous can come up with five grand I mean your average drug kingpin can probably come up with that in his in his sofa cushions right well then yeah well they deserve as much as the, the but you're saying you're saying so you don't have to deal with just uh, some guy who scrapes together fifteen bucks yeah I, I guess that I, I have no idea like I said. Not really uh, schooled in hookerdom. Oh, I see why they're, so, right. they're so expensive right. now. Apparently, these women also provide comfort, discussion, political di dialogue. Investment advice. So it's like if Susie Orban put on something what? revealing. Are you? Well, first of all, let's don't ever say that. 
again. And, and secondly, um, they have branches in New York, Washington, D.C., Miami, London, and Paris. Are you making this up? No. So they're hookers, that, up things. <laughs> they're hookers that provide financial advice? That's probably why they're so expensive. Well, first of all, don't you think don't you think their first bit of financial advice would be don't spend five grand on a hooker? I mean that would that would be that would be suggestion one. Denied. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent reference. Um, Susie, so I I really want to um I want to spend uh, uh five thousand dollars on a whore. All right. Well, give me how much do you make? What's in your retirement savings? You know, and he would. Um, I'm a janitor. Uh, no, I'm. Honey, I'm sorry. Come back to me in five years when you've got 75 in the bank. Until then, denied. All right. So there's many of these 50 high-priced prostitutes uh, handing out this investment advice. From where so are they're you, smart. From where are you reading this? I am reading this from the New York Sun. And so the New York Sun claims that they are hookers slash financial consultants. Uh-huh. I'd like to make a deposit. Oh, by the way, they've just taken no, down their website. No. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I tried to go to the website a while back, and it was, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was gone a long time. All right. Maybe there's a back way in. There's always a back way in, Tim. Uh, speaking of investment advice. Of course. Hi, Sarah. How you doing over there? Oh, boy. Hey, you had that friend that went to a hooker a while back, right? Yeah. Do you know how much it was? I don't, because he didn't get the... He didn't have... He did not have intercourse. He, he did not uh, have intercourse. He did not have intercourse. They, uh, I think it was like around a grand, though. I think it was pretty high up there because I know that he went with that. He was with a wealthy friend. He did not have full-on sex, but he did. Um, he had a certain type of sex. There was well. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, fine. I think that's perfectly acceptable. I don't. I cannot believe Nothing that you believe like that. boobies, and then you say something <laughs> like that. I, I'm only doing it because I heard. I heard Lycus. Uh, I heard Lycus do that on Friday Jeez. because a woman called up and she was obviously talking about the Lewinsky. And a guy, and Lycus is actually one of says, and he had to bleep her. And he said, you can't say that. You can, who, does anybody know who Shaquille O'Neal is playing for now? No. The Suns or somebody? I think, yeah, Phoenix Suns. And he said, he said, you can't say that. You can say that the Suns have really blown a lead by hiring Shaquille, though. That was, that was his thing. So I was saying your friend, your friend did blow some cash well, on a hooker. Of, he is a, kind of a classier guy, so I know that, yeah, I think, I know that he has. And it was how much, though? Like around a thousand bucks, and I think that his friend, his friend slept with one for like three thousand. Three, but I mean, three thousand dollars. I mean, I guess it's all relative because if you got to, it's like how those stories came out where, where uh, Michael Jordan, he was blown like two two hundred grand, you know, on gambling, like on poker, and you know, and I think he was betting on golf and whatever, and he would drop two hundred grand, and Jordan made the case. He's like, look, two hundred grand makes it sound like I got a gambling problem, but he's like, let's be honest, I got like a billion dollars, so two hundred grand. Uh, for me to lose on poker, that's like the average guy losing, you know, a thousand. Uh, he said, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done it, but it's not like it put me in a financial bind. So I guess it's all relative, but I cannot fathom. And I am no moral purist. Don't get me wrong. I don't care. Spend your money on whatever you like. Whores, blow, doesn't matter. I, I, I really don't care. But I can't fathom spending a thousand dollars on that from a hooker. Well, it's probably exactly exactly how you just said it. Like, since he has such a big, you know, a big amount of money to take from, like, $3,000 is probably a good investment I, for him I, instead of, you know, a $500 hooker. Really? For, do you suppose that at that level there can be any difference in how they look? Like, a girl can only be so hot. Do you know what I mean? I mean, all right. This is so much about prostitution I don't understand. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. Um, one thing is possibility is porn stars. 
How do you mean? Oh, oh, well, the, uh, the Bunny the, Ranch. They have porn stars that rotate through there, and I would imagine they are the high-priced ones. Is that true? Well, you know, I know a lot of porn stars. Like you'll see them here at the strip clubs, where a porn star will come through town and she'll strip. You know, she'll dance at some club for a night. No, these ones are actually. They talk about uh, going to the Bunny Ranch for a couple of weeks at a time. So a porn star will go and she'll work a little bit, of, uh, spend some time working right, as an and, escort, you know, cash in on her fame and oh, all that's that. True. But that's true. I, I can see that. I was speculating that maybe it's uh, uh, she provides a $5,400 condom. Okay, thanks. All right. All right. No, I can see that. If you're some porn star, because you know there's guys that would pay that. There's guys who would pay three, four grand to, uh, you know, to, to, to nail some porn star they were a big fan of. Hmm. All right. Uh, here's Tim Riley. Well, as if that news wasn't terrifying enough, we have just learned that Tucker Carlson has been fired from MSNBC. No! no! You know what's funny is he was just talking on MSNBC like five minutes ago. Oh. <laughs> He's been fired. I wonder if he was reading the memo as he was talking. David Gregory will replace him. They're also making a handful of changes. Gregory's new show is called Race for the White House. It's going to be on every weekday at 6 p.m. starting Monday. Uh, Carlson had been at MSNBC for nearly three years. Also, Andrea Mitchell will anchor an hour of news in the afternoon, and uh, Keith Overman's Countdown show will also rerun every night at 10 o'clock. Well, seriously, was there anybody who was really a Tucker Carlson I fan think at this still point? Employed. That's I can't. Yeah, I don't. I, it, well, people haven't watched him in many, many years. It yeah, boggled my him mind. Four years since the last election. I really was stunned that anybody had hired him back. So glad to see David Gregory landed on his feet. He was one of those guys that I thought was going to go down with the I miss sinking ship. Oh. So uh, David Gregory's come back, and Andrea Mitchell, who I quite like, uh, not not you know. Remember back in the day when I had a crush on Tucker Carlson until he spoke. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand where that came from. I don't really understand why that would ever be. It's like having a crush on that wife of his. All right, so-called. Um, anywho, we, Jesus, it's 12:40. Yes. God damn. Damn you, Elliot Spitzer. All right, we're gonna come back, reset, try to get some actual non-hooker news done. Unless, of course, there's the slightest shred of development in the Elliot Spitzer case, which case we'll just beat that like a gong. All right, fantastic. Back after this, here's Queen. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. We now go to Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Why, this is getting interesting. So Governor Spitzer is referred to as client number nine. Really? Maybe we should listen to some of uh, what this affidavit said. Spitzer. Ring. And according to this, this is the affidavit that you have, right, Alan? That is exactly According to correct. the affidavit, Client 9, New York Governor Elliot Spitzer. That's right. We, un we, we believe that uh, Client 9 is uh, indeed New York Governor Elliot Spitzer. And uh, this, uh, the information that uh, apparently is tying him to a prostitution ring. It would be tough, Alan, to think that... It if there's an implication here and if there's any wrongdoing whatsoever that the governor would be hard-pressed um, to survive this uh, one of my first thoughts uh, absolutely um, tough That's enough real groundbreaking journalism right now. actually survive this but Elliot Spitzer really built his career on rock and roll on being a mr. clean and uh, this is just so uh, so in the face uh, it's just so so contrary to what he has stood for 
And he is, Shocking frankly, uh, a very yeah. self-righteous uh, person. Stunning. I mean, you, any press well, conference you attend. All right, so there you go. He's involved prostitute. We know it. Um, hope he enjoyed himself. We, client number nine. That's interesting. I wonder if that means number he was nine. an early customer. You know it's going to be the name of the book about this. Totally. Wait. Number nine. Uh, there's so many jokes I can go with. I wonder if it, you know, that it's such a low number, client number nine. I wonder if that's like um. I wonder if that's like an Amazon or something where you're employee number five. You know, your your stock vests way before everybody else. Uh, maybe you go to the original, you know, membership cards. Client, this is a VIP. He's model. a charter member. Mm-hmm. Uh, client number nine. That that goes right in the file next to Jane No uh, Jane Doe number six, uh, which was uh, Monica Lewinsky. Uh, Sarah and I were just talking about Mayflower Madam, which is a book by Sydney Barrows. Uh, she got busted back in the eighties for running an escort service in New York called Cachet, uh, which is a, a a very upscale dating service for the discriminating gentleman. And she actually, you have to read that book though, because it's uh, at some point she does talk in the book about how. She did have two pricing levels. She had the regular girls, which were still, you know, very beautiful. But then she had what they called C girls, uh, and I forget what, where she came up with that. But it was, but the C girls were very tall, very blonde, blah 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 blah. It was sort of, sort of the the, the cream of the crop, or whatever, however you want to call it. And they were like five grand, I think. So uh, I'm trying to find picture because I really just do kind of want to put it in my head. But a five thousand dollar profit. Really? Looks no, like. isn't that the thing too? Where it's like it, when somebody says they. But this is New York, and everything's more expensive there. Here would be like two fifty <laughs> or something. The, yeah, the, the deal, Sarah, is you got to find yourself a rent controlled hooker. Uh, that's really when your grandmother <laughs> dies and she leaves you a hooker. That's really what you got to find. Well, that's like when somebody has a bottle of wine or whatever. Like, how much is it? Well, it's a $5,000 bottle of wine. You almost want to drink that because you want to know what a $5,000 bottle of wine tastes like. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. Well, anyway, uh, elsewhere, Vancouver man has been found guilty of mishandling more than $400,000. That was supposed to go to his brain-dead son. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Ronald Cuthbert is a retired auditor with the Washington State Department of Revenue. He's found guilty, uh, found guilty now on 17 counts of theft. He could face a long prison sentence. His son, Ryan, was injured during childbirth, and the family received money from a medical malpractice settlement. It shows uh, the father reported $386,000 in his son's guardianship account in 2001. And according to court-appointed regulators, those accounts only had $124 in them. Where did all the money go? He had several failed businesses, including an antique store, laundromat. He also purchased a property in Tillamook. Uh, the boy is currently being cared for by his mother and brother. It's a very sad case. So that's that. Uh, this guy says, Rick, the difference between a high-priced girl and a $500-an-hour girl, as though $500 an hour isn't high-priced, uh, is that the high-priced girls, he's this person whose name I will not use, says the high-priced girls have a lot less sex and come with the kind of unspoken guarantee of health and quality. Maybe there's a seal you break at some point, like on a hotel toilet. <laughs> Sterilize for your protection. That seems like, I'm not saying that that's not true, but that seems like a thing that you as a customer would have no way of knowing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, in fact, uh, Sydney Barrows, all my hooker knowledge comes from Maple Hour Madam, which is a great book, by the way. All my hookers. All, <laughs> um, all my hooker knowledge comes from Sydney Barrows, and she said that regardless of how many uh, dates the girls have been on, uh, the one one of the rules was they always told the client that they were the only date that day. That was the thing. The hooker always told the client, no, 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 you're the only gentleman I'm seeing this evening, even if that wasn't true. So I, I, that, that may be sort of an unspoken implication that the girls are healthy and have quality, but 
I don't know necessarily what that is. I would think that you'd want to like have that <laughs> spoken about before. Yeah, I don't think that would be. Yeah, that exactly. Those things like okay. Ah, let it slide. I'll just assume that you're healthy. I'm All spending right. the rest of the day doing my housework. Here's Tim Riley. I'm really, I really want to direct. Here's Tim Riley. A <laughs> uh, brave and brazen customer helped scare off a would-be robber with a knife at a Woodburn convenience store yesterday. A man was waving a pocket knife inside the 7-Eleven on Highway 99E in Lincoln when the customer confronted him. He said, this is a robbery. I want your money. I told him, no, you ain't getting no money. This is uh, customer David Rhodes. Then Rhodes said the would-be robber told him to get out of the way and swore obscenities at him. So I took off my hat and I defended myself. The surveillance video shows the armed man with his back to the camera apparently arguing with Rhodes. And the intimidation must have worked because moments later, the suspect ran away without any money. So Rhodes runs after him, but the suspect still got away, even though he's a father of three and merely a customer at the store. He doesn't regret taking the risk. If it happened again, I do the same thing. Well done. Good for you. All right. The armed citizen. Actually, he wasn't armed at all. It's our last line of defense, Tim. Mm-hmm. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hi. Uh, I was thinking about all the different prices. Is this about hookers? Or, yeah. All right. Uh, as far as cities and... You know, like that one guy about a thousand dollar hooker in Vegas, and you know, five thousand dollars in right. New York. Yes. And you know, there's probably a way you could develop a, a hooker pricing index based <laughs> on like uh, groceries or other illegal goods. Like how comedians like that. do that thing every year where they talk about the price of comedy and they do like seltzer bottles, cream pies, and rubber chickens or something. Um, so you, you so you're saying you could do some sort of consumer price index, but with whores to make it sort of accessible to make economics interesting for the layman. Exactly, exactly. All right. Um, you know, it probably involved uh, like uh, like you know the average price of um, cocaine or the average price. Of... Somebody ought to totally do that. Oh my God! All right, best idea of the week. Have you, sir, read Freakonomics? No. Okay, first of all, Tim, Freakonomics? I have not. No. Oh, you got to read that. Freakonomics is one of the best books I've read in the last decade. It's unbelievable. Freakonomics is fantastic. Uh, but it's where an economist, and it sounds like a boring book. I grant you that. It sounds dull, but it is not. It's one of the most fascinating books I have ever read. Um, Freakonomics is sort of, it became notorious because, it, the, the deal about Freakonomics is, and I do have a point here, the deal about Freakonomics is, is that he under, he examines uh, the sort of hidden side of social phenomenon through mathematics. Anyway, the book, the book became sort of notorious because the book's authors, one of their sort of controversial conclusions was that the reason the crime rate has gone down uh, is because of Roe versus Wade. And he came to this conclusion that because of uh, the legality of abortion, therefore 18 years later, the crime rate started going down because people that uh, might have had children who committed crimes had them aborted, blah, 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 blah. I'm, anyway, so his book, a lot of ire because of that, but he does examine sort of the mathematics of of weird, you know, sort of social phenomenon. Anyway, somebody ought to do a book or do some sort of study where it is like a consumer pricing index, but simply with vices, uh, where they do track sort of the alternate economy, and it merely is drugs, gambling, prostitution, uh, having a guy whacked, whatever it is. And then you create like a, an analysis of the shadow economy. Yeah, the pricing of the uh, underworld. Yeah, underworld. That's, a, that's a great idea. Somebody ought to do that so I can read it. <laughs> but you don't want to do any work. Yeah, no, no, I don't have to do any work. No, that's the only reason I want some of these. That's why I always throw out suggestions for movies and books. I don't have to do them myself, but I want them around so I can read them. Yes, because, uh, well, they're great ideas, but, you know, who has the time? That's what I'm saying, sir. I got all this... Uh, 
Got all this Dexter to watch. All right, thank you. All right, thank you. Bye. For the life of me, I cannot find any pictures of high-class prostitutes. I want to know what a $5,000 hooker looks like. I totally do, well, too. Well, you got to be a governor of the state to get all that. I time. guess that's true. It's my motivation to get into politics. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Yes, hello. Hi. Uh, Freakonomics, excellent, excellent. It's a fantastic book. I cannot recommend Freakonomics highly enough. Yeah. Uh, so, basically, what I called up about is a little bit back you, on your blog, you had a very, very, very nice review of Morgan Grace and her music, and you were bemoaning the fact that you missed um, a show that she did. Yeah, uh, Morgan had sent me an email saying, hey, can you can you you know pimp this show that I'm going to do? And I sort of mentioned it, but it kind of got lost in the shuffle, and I had just never really heard a lot of her music. I mean, right. I, you know, I certainly knew who she was, but I just had never really heard anything. And then, uh, I don't know, about a month ago, I was online, and I was kind of looking for new music. Anyway, so I stumbled across her stuff, and I listened to it, and I was uh, blown away. So uh, she's going to be on the show with us this Wednesday, by the way. She'll be in the studio. Oh, cool. Okay, well then that probably takes care of what I was going to say. I was just going to say that um, she's got a couple shows coming up, uh, as well as does Cleveland. Yes, no, uh, uh, she's going to be she's going to be at Slabtown uh, Wednesday, and so she's going to be in the studio to promote that. Oh, cool. Be, All right. be listening Wednesday, sir. I will. I'm there a big go. fan of her. Thank you. All right, there you go. There's uh, Tim. You batting at invisible things in the air? No, there's a speck of dust flying around here. I know there's so many dust balls in here. And I try to get rid of them all, and I did the best I could. <laughs> the great. The great. The great thing is, I believe you, by the way. I really do, and I'm not just saying that. Sarah, I still can see them, too. Mm -hmm. In the light. Wow, do you sound crazy. <laughs> Sarah can see them, too. Tell me you see them. I just looked over out of the corner of my eye. I wish I wish for all the world that we had been filming this. I just looked over to the corner of my eye, and Tim has this angry look on his face and is, like, batting his arms at what looks like nothing in the air. <laughs> Don't you see them? They're right there. They're everywhere. And it was fine until your birthday party. <laughs> Quit looking at me! Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, well, you know what it is? It's that the studio was always really dusty, but I think it was in some, like, kind of small, discreet piles. Mm -hmm. And I think the decorating, just like that satellite disturbed the Cloverfield monster, I think the decorating stirred up the dust. Well, we don't want to dissuade people from having birthdays either. No, so I I'll, uh, it. I'll bring in the Roomba this weekend again, and, and I'll clean the studio once We need more. something to clean the air, though. That's yeah. true. We need an air purifier of some kind. Oh, I, I just saw one. Ulrich or has one. See, I heard those were BS. David Ulrich? Well, no, air purifiers aren't. The sharper image ones were crap. Okay. That was made the up. Ulrich stuff is good. Okay. The, uh, yeah, the, no, no, no. Air, uh, air purifiers from sharper image, not unlike Airborne, mm -hmm. now proven to be complete crap. So, um, oh, did you see that story about Airborne? No, I didn't. Airborne's supposed to be crap? $23 million they got sued for. Also, they're not allowed to say it cures anything anymore. Also, the government told them to get bent and to no longer uh, market themselves as a cure for anything. So that's deeply satisfying. Um, anyway, no air purifiers, I think, work. I mean, like your car has, you know, an air filter. Um, but I think the sharper image, though, they didn't just sell a regular one, which I think would have worked. They, they peddled some crap about, no, 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 negatively charged ions will go into the air and attack the dust. And I think it was being made up. So... But you're short-timing it this week anyway. You've only got three days, right? And then you're gone? I still care about dust. No, no, no. So I'm saying Are you gone Thursday and Friday? Yes, I am. Thursday and Friday. So you need only breathe dirty air for three days. When you come back, the studio shall be spotless. I'm going to have to get my, uh, get my vacuum so I'm going to be breathing uh, brown air for, for four days. I suppose that's true. I, so really, no matter how filthy the studio is, when you get back from L.A., this is just going to seem like crystal. It's going to seem like I a, won't be able to see this air. <laughs> it's going to seem like an Intel clean room. Mm -hmm. All right. Oh, by the way, somebody sent me um, screen captures of the hooker site. So, um... Can you one, see pictures of said hookers? Well, yes. Uh, I've got. I want one that knows about mutual funds. I've, <laughs> I've got eight uh, pictures of hookers, and then I've got the description. What do you want first? Description? Sure. Okay. All right. 
Emperor's Club VIP is the most preferred international club for those accustomed to excellence. Is this some kind of like ATM card that you swap? Like when you go through the door, it only opens if you're a member. Oh, you get like a oh, member's card. Oh, really? Oh, there's like a like a little key card, like a like a microchip in your hand. We offer a convenient variety of services globally, specializing in deluxe concierge, model introduction, contemporary art, and investment services is our expertise. We act, as, uh, we act for a select group of educated, refined, and successful international clients who give their best in all they do and who, in return, only wish to receive the best, catering to clients who will not compromise in any area of their life. Our distinctive standards ensure that you always experience the quality you've come to expect in a world-class uh, in a world-class service when working with Emperor's Club. We direct connect to internationally acclaimed artists. We offer access to some of the most captivating, authentic, contemporary art available. Our concierge service provides extraordinary benefits that enhance life immeasurably, impress companions, and enhance business ventures. So I don't even Spitzer, know. What, is Spitzer's wife impressed? Is that what this? <laughs> I don't understand what that is. <laughs> what is the concierge service? Oh, if you want tickets to a show. It's probably, or it's probably someone like matching up, you know, a John and his. Or like if you friend. need somebody to take to a party or something. Mm -hmm. Is that the deal? Like if you need, because I know that uh, again, going back to Sydney Barrows, uh, that she talked about how there were guys sometimes who would rent a hooker not because they wanted to have sex with her, but because they had to go to a dinner, an, an event. I wish to sip wine out of her slipper. A family uh, gathering, uh, and they wanted to have a hot girl on their arm just, just because it needed to complete Mom, the package. Mom, my uh -huh. hooker. My wife is losing. <laughs> all my hookers. Best of all, our innovative social introduction and dating services allow you a luxuriously enjoyable dating and travel experience with some of the world's most exclusive companions. We match our customers with the most compatible models, most competitive contemporary art leads, and the finest concierge luxuries for both their personal preferences and the occasion. Our services are professional, reliable, and this is so creepy, and luxuriously pleasurable. Ew. Yeah. They're plushy. I don't need to hear that. Are they, that doesn't, make, doesn't it make that sound that way? Like they are sort of plush? They're spongy and soft. Uh, Emperor's Club VIP is a positive force intensely committed to serving our customers honestly. Our goal is to make life more peaceful, balanced. They're just whores. I mean, Christ. Really, honestly, Jesus. Our goal is to make life more peaceful, balanced, beautiful, and meaningful. Maybe they're rewriting their uh, mission statement right now. <laughs> <laughs> we honor commitment to our clients as we covet long-term relationships of trust and mutual benefit. Experience for yourself a service of obvious distinction. They're girls who are paid to F you. Let's not gild the lily here. Uh, all right, so here are some of the girls. Uh, now, they're body shots only. There, there are no... Uh, oh, no faces? Uh, not a close-up. You see, like, the lower half. You see, like, from the nose down. And really, look, I don't mean to sound lookist, mm -hmm. but, I mean, I'm looking at the bodies of so these girls. The I'm looking at these the bodies of these of these hookers. 5,000? I don't see it. Oh, I don't see 5,000. I oh, mean... wait, hang on. I mean, really, honestly here, I... I I guess I'll try to post this later on. Somebody sent me a screen capture. Well, they're pretty. Yeah, I mean, they're pretty, but I mean... Well, look, I mean... She's pretty. Yeah, I, I guess, but I... But don't you think if you're the governor of New York, you can probably find your own pretty girls? I mean, w without any sort of entanglements and, you know, well, you having know, to patronize a hooker? He was probably counting on discretion, and that didn't work out. Well, to be, well, to be fair, the hookers, it sounds like the hookers themselves were discreet. It's just that the man was wiretapping. Although somebody must have squealed at some point, because how would they know? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. The, the governor's patronizing hookers. So no, he didn't want a Lewinsky type. No, well, maybe you got a well. You know what I mean. Yes, I think he did want a Lewinsky type, Tim. <laughs> uh, Rick Everson. Uh, on KCMD Portland. So, Jesus, it's after one. This show is halfway over. We can, we can talk about Horace till three. Yeah, no, it's true. I could make an entire week out of Horace. I want to see Horace faces. Mm-hmm. That sounded weird. Um, but don't you? I'm curious almost, to see what their faces look like. I, I, like butter faces. I never get tired of looking at No, they can't, they can't. I mean, they can't be butter faces. A $5,000 girl. I know this whole thing makes, I'm just some, I, and I know I'm kind of a beaky, ugly guy talking about how girls got to be perfect. But if you're paying five grand like for a too? girl. No, I'm just saying, I, it's one thing if it's like, what, you know, whatever. You, you, just, uh, you know, it's, it's some girl you're trying to pick up at the gym or something. If you're paying $5,000, uh, that had better be one flawless girl. So They I, look fairly flawless, though. Well, I, I guess, but... See, I think you're spoiled by, by looking at models of magazines to think that they can't possibly be real. And they are. I suppose. I mean, I guess in New York, I mean, it's you know, as, as I think Lackett would say, in New York, as opposed to, oh... I don't know, Kansas, uh, you know, or, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, I don't necessarily know that, um, I don't know that different sections of the country are, are equivalent sometimes. Cause he well, does they, that... they dress in silk and satin in Manhattan. Well, he does that thing about, you know, are you, a, are you a, a, an L.A. 9 or are you like a Topeka 9? So, I mean, you know, I think really the face would be the make or break here. I mean, I know that... Makes me sound like less of a man, to, you know, or whatever. That's but I mean, but seriously, how many times have you walked down the street and seen anybody even a uh, fraction? Do you mean uh, what do they they rate? Do you mean in Portland? Scale? Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I I suppose that's true. Um, but I mean, is that because they're in New York or because they're hookers? Because don't you think women well, in New York? In major cities. I guess. I think there's a different sort of aesthetic. I think in major cities than there is in the other cities anyway. So. I mean, if you're an attractive woman, you're you're shaking your booty in a major metropolitan area. I guess. I mean, no offense to attractive women. Mm. It is. I do wonder how these girls end up in this gig, though, where they become, you know, I wonder about that. I wonder how you become a $5,000. Well, uh, is there a box that says contact there for that VIP <laughs> club? There's a job opportunities. So, all right. Yeah, the only girl whose face you can see here, it's from far away, and she's wearing big sunglasses. You know, here, maybe it is. Maybe it's this. I mean, maybe they just show up the office. It's. I mean, those, those girls used to when I worked at that uh, uh, ladies at dancing club for one day. They would just sort of appear. Yes. Okay, maybe it's this. Uh, maybe it's that. Okay, when you pay five grand for a hooker, maybe you're not paying for the looks as such. Because again, I think we all agree that there's a ceiling mm-hmm. to looks. I mean, someone can only be so hot. There's. Ugly, passable, attractive, hot, really hot, incredibly hot. But then once you get to incredibly hot, it's like, there's, you know, there's really nowhere to go from there. So maybe you are paying for... And then there's Unicorn, remember? Then there's Unicorn. Maybe you are paying for um, her ability to not come off as a hooker. Maybe that's what you're paying for. You know what I mean? In other words, maybe you're paying five grand because if you're out on the town or she's going with you somewhere or you're out... Uh, you know, together with her in a non-sexual way, you're out in public, uh, she won't seem like a hooker. She's able to pass herself off as just a regular refined woman. Maybe that's what you're paying for. Maybe it's not the hotness. I mean, maybe it's the hotness, but then uh, the added ability to not come off like a hooker or a stripper or something. It's so so mystifying. So much to know in this world. All right, here's Tim Riley. Is that it for hookers? Uh, no. No, not by a long shot. <laughs> we just take a little breather here, and then we'll be back. I got more hooker calls if you want them. 
Let's take more hooker calls. All right, here's Tim Ryan. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm, all, I'm already here. I wouldn't be calling about that. And now, with hooker information, here's Tim Riley. I'm sorry, I was merging two things in my head. Uh, hi, you're not Tim Riley. You're whoever you are. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, hey, thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Hey, here's my thought. I think Sarah hit this right on the head when she said, hey, $5,500 is going to buy you discretion, supposedly. Now, yeah, the other thing is we're in New York City, so... You know, you've got, hey, even though there are 11 million people there, it's a small town. I guess. I mean, maybe in New York, especially in political circles, maybe, everybody sort of knows everybody. Well, yeah, but again, 5500 bucks is way over the top unless you're paying for something crazy like discretion or supposed discretion. I mean, you know, Heidi Fleiss... I don't think anybody ever expected Heidi Flies to throw her black book open like she did. And, you know, that's why her girls were worth a lot more than, you know, your standard Portland variety two to $300 girls. I'll tell you, though, you know, hey, i got to believe that if you're paying $5,000, that's a beautiful girl. Yeah, I, I imagine. All right, excellent. Thank you, sir. Thanks for the call. All right, there you go. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, this is uh, James. Um, I used to live in New York City. And... Uh-huh. Um, I worked in a uh, trading office with a guy who used to get hookers and really high-priced hookers. So wait, you were, you had a coworker who got hookers? Yeah, I mean he, I, I traded stocks and he he traded stocks for a different company right across from me, and he would come in with these stories like about how like this this madam screwed him over and and the hooker wasn't worth it, so she just he just told her to just leave. So he. He had, like, a running tab for hookers. And so you mean, like, he had an account? Yeah. I mean, we're talking, like, yeah, he would easily play 5000 for a hooker. Like, like that was nothing to him because he made so much money. So that's the thing. So it's not like the 5000 really bought you something that $1,000 wouldn't. It's just that he had money to spend, and so he, he just didn't mind. And, and that's this is basically how this is the only way he got any. I mean, he, he told me about how, and most of these girls are, like, Eastern Bloc, you know, like, Czech Republic. Where all the finest girls come from. <laughs> right around like 18 years old that, that I think his money was going into like research and development, like bringing over more girls. So to... some sort of a weird Ponzi scheme, but with boobs. Right. Precisely. So these girls would come over and, you know, and, and it was all set up. And I mean, it was just like. Now, did you ever meet or see any of the girls? No, I would I would just hear very very detailed accounts. <laughs> of course, he's that guy. Oh, he was the he was the worst human being possible. <laughs> it, you couldn't you couldn't have you couldn't have written, Hollywood couldn't have written a more worse villain. Um, and and he just yeah he said that this one account where, um you know he's like yeah this madam really owes me one like he, he she sent over this girl and and she was not she, you know she wasn't into me at all. And and it, and it, you know, it, and so I basically took, kicked her out, Jesus. you know, and so so she so he she owed he was owed a free over over the course of your uh, your relationship with this guy working with this guy, how much would you estimate that he spent on hookers? I mean, I'd say he would have a five thousand dollar, you know, type that kind of thing probably on a weekly or biweekly basis. So you're saying like a hundred grand maybe over the course of the time you knew him? Yeah, pretty easily Jesus. because this guy like is he, he was paid based on the performance of his hedge fund and so if his hedge fund was doing well I think he was probably spending a lot. So, you know, he owed himself a little treat? Yeah, exactly. I, I deserve a surprise tonight. <laughs> exactly. Excellent. Thank you my friend. Alright, no problem. There you go. I love that. He was the worst human being imaginable. Excellent. Here's Tim Riley. I think we've all known people like that. Yes, we have. Well, a woman has been found frozen to death in a hotel room. Oh, this happened in uh, Newport Beach, uh, California. 
The moment his body was found packed in dry ice in the hotel room had ex outstanding warrants for drug charges, they found the body of Monique Philippe Tripp, fully clothed inside a large Rubbermaid container, after resting a guest at the Fairmont Newport Beach Hotel for investigation of selling and possessing cocaine. Uh, the dead woman was charged with several felonies in Colorado, including possession of a controlled substance with intent to sell. Her attorney said a much older man uh, posted bail for her, and then she just disappeared. So this is not, when you first had frozen to death, I thought, like, the heat had gone wrong or something, and she'd just gotten, but it was like somebody killed her and packed her in ice. Yes. <gasps> like the ice truck killer. Exactly, exactly just like that. like that. All right. Uh, along with her body, police found porch springs, night toy vision goggles, and a large sake bottle with lamp sockets stuffed into their spouts. Okay, that's just weird. That is weird, isn't it? All right, then. Well, that's a whole lot well, of Well, let's strength. put that one aside. That's just too weird. Hey, by the way, there was a thing here where you could advertise on the Emperor's uh, Club. Emperor's Club. Um, click here to advertise on our site. Looks like we missed our chance there. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, hey, Rick. Yeah, what's up? I was wondering about $5,000. That's a lot of $1,000. <laughs> hold on, we had to bleep that. You're saying... What you if, hold on, hold on. Hold on. I had to bleep that. So you're saying, what if you paid $5,000 and then were unable to perform as a man? Wouldn't you feel like a fool? Well, I I would imagine you don't get your money back at that point. Although, who knows? I mean, I guess it depends on... Yeah, I would think you wouldn't get your money back because you're, play, you're paying for like the girl to come and You're paying you. for a company, sir. Yeah. Maybe, unless they unless they really are into customer service because they want repeat business. I mean, you know, if they, if they thought you might spend more money in the future, they might, uh, as the casinos say, they might comp you. Uh, thinking you'll come back and spend more money. But if they think that, A, you weren't able to perform, and, B, you were sufficiently embarrassed that you were never going to be seen again, no, they'll probably make you pay. I got an uncle that's a lawyer. Maybe I should ask him. Yeah, be sure to do that. Have him have a tape recorder running when you do it. Thank you. Thank you, sir. All right. Um, this guy says, I'm sure nobody's going to pay $5,000 a night sight unseen. You probably can't see much because you haven't opened up an account and put down a huge... Oh, he's talking about the website. Mm -hmm. okay. He's saying, so that's why you don't see the faces. Not because of any privacy, because they're hookers. Probably people who go to that site know that. Um, but because you're paying... You open up an account to see the... The girls, basically. Okay, my friend... Um, oh, God, I almost said his name. Um, my friend who did this... Uh, Rufus. Yes, Rufus. So Rufus, like, got the number of the guy, the person who sets it up, and so then they would go and meet at a location. So Wait, wouldn't... hold on. Back this up. So what? When my friend... Rufus. Rufus. Would, would, would spend time with a lady. Yes, met with a prostitute or a lady. I know that he he was in contact with the guy who ran it, and then they went to the bar, and the guy brought like two or three girls with him and he's like all right these are you know who are these available are your choices. right now yeah and he's like and if you're not interested you know I'll get in contact with you in another hour and and I'll have another variety yeah. another selection yeah so i think yeah he did uh, i think he passed on the first round and then found really the so the guy see he said no 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 none of these meet my uh, none of these are well cuz that was the thing it's like there's a lot you know a lot of money's being oh, no. invested in this oh. i want it to be worth it oh if i'm going to pay for a hooker theoretically speaking if i'm going to pay for a hooker yeah, you get, she's going to be exactly, I mean, there's no you, there's no compromising on that. It's like when, you know what it is? I hate to say this. It's like when you go to buy a car, and you're buying a car, and the guy goes, well, we don't have uh, a black. blue one, but take a red one. Exactly. Well, we, I'll, get the, I'll get that next time. We have it in teal. And you kind of say, no, no, you'll, you'll find me, you'll find me a black one, uh, a car. So, you know what I'm saying? You don't compromise on that. You know what I mean? Well, uh, yeah, we don't actually, this car doesn't have a heater, but I mean, uh, it's still, it's like, no, 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 find, find me one with a heater. Okay, that makes sense. Do you know what the girl looked like? 
I believe... were you there? No, no, no. Okay. I wasn't there. No, this is no. It was a big rodeo. It was him and a bunch of guys. It was a what? A rodeo. What is that? Oh, dude, a dude rodeo. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you know what the girl looked like? Did he ever tell no, you? No, he told. He described. He said that she was Asian. That's about all that he told me about her. All right. Oh. Uh. Okay. This. Uh, let's see here. This guy says. Um. Uh, actually, at $5,000 a night, they're no longer accurately called hookers. They're call girls who don't do any actual hooking anymore. I don't really know what the difference is. I mean, maybe hooking is like street walking. Yeah, that might be. Maybe, okay, maybe the deal is when you're hooking, you're looking for Johns. And when you're a call girl, they're they're coming to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. They seek you out. Uh, He says, in my experience, not from using, but from talking to girls in that profession, the more bright and intelligent they are, tied with an attractive body, the more they can get. Anyway. Um, And then he says, uh, the one he knew was a Reed College girl. Da-da-da-da. So I guess that makes sense. So, um, uh, well, there's, can I just, there's something, there's something strangely hot about a Reed College girl who's a, who's a a call girl. Probably smells like hummus. (laughs) Uh, you smell like Arbor. Uh, anyway. All right. Uh, here's uh, Tim Riley. Is that it for the hooker calls for now? Well, oh, you know they're just going to keep on. I was just going to say that. Well, let's find out. Are you calling about hookers, sir, or madam? It's you. I, I, I actually, I'm just driving on Barber Boulevard by the Silver Spoon, and just as you're talking about not willing to compromise on uh, on your quality when it comes to prostitutes, right next to the Silver Spoon, they're like. Three lingerie models, we'll call them, hanging out the door, which I've never seen before in their bikinis. It looks like they're soliciting business. They, in any case, for, for, want, a, for a legal business, we should for an absolutely legal business to the best. Yeah, of lingerie models. Yes, of course. Anyway, I wanted to compliment you on your willingness to not budge on your uh, quality standards when it comes to prostitution. <laughs> well, man you has have, to have uh, standards, sir. If only you could hold that that kind of same standards when it comes to things like that, uh, Timmy Ryan. Bit that gets on the radio. Oh, that's all. That Thanks. has nothing to do. We're with all that. radio whores, sir. <laughs> all right, there you go. Uh, let's see here. Um, we've got this, Rick. This guy says the old thing about how you're not paying them to do your pain and not to be around afterward. But he says, um, with a $5,000 hooker, you're paying for professionalism and the peace of mind uh, that she will not get you in trouble afterward. With a cheap whore. Um, you're, you're gambling in the fact that she'll get drunk and blurted out. Um, so the. Uh, this guy then also, let's see, this guy says, True Hooker Story. Sounds like a magazine. True Hooker Adventures. Um, a couple of years ago, my friends and I went to Cancun for spring break. We went to a bar there that had a slide, like those you find in McDonald's, but adult-sized. We asked the bartender how we get up there to ride it. He told us just go up the stairs. At the top of the stairs, there's a woman who asked for $40, and once we gave her the money, a girl came out of a So what, a woman just asked you for $40, and you handed it to her? That seems a little weird. Maybe that's for cookies. There's a girl came out of a room and pulled us into the room she just came out of. Um, let's see. Okay, I have to clean this up on the fly. But so this guy's in Cancun. He walks up the top of the stairs. A woman comes out and says, give me $40. They do. I'm guessing they were drunk. And apparently then a woman... I'm just going to try that just to costing drunk men. like, give me $40. Yeah. Uh, she said, then a girl came out and pulled us into the room. And uh, the implication here is she then serviced all of them. Then when we came out, everybody was clapping, and then we got to go down the slide. So apparently the slide was a post-coital uh, celebration. Then you got to go down the slide? <laughs> apparently the, the slide was post-sex only. It was a, it was a slide of 
A like, slide of sexual celebration. Like raging waters. Exactly. It's weird. It's like it's like how it, Mexico. <laughs> I was just gonna say, it's like that thing about how they ring the bell in the nightclub after you drink the tequila. Ugh. All right. I should have known our audience would have all the answers here. All right, let's plunge on ahead. I think that's the end of the hooker calls for now. We'll be back to them in a few moments. Yes. But first, a camera has developed has been developed which can detect weapons, drugs, and explosives hidden under your clothes up to 80 feet away. This is considered a scientific breakthrough, so they, they uh, aim this thing at you. It's a powerful device. It's effective even when people are moving, according to its developer. The firm says the camera will not reveal your body details, and the screening is harmless. But we already know that's not true, because yeah. isn't that the one in Denver or yeah. Phoenix or someplace Something where it was like... I think this is an even better one. Like, hey, look at your penis. You can was... see everything. Exactly. You can see every, uh, every, uh, every detail. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's a lie. Uh, meanwhile, Barack Obama says uh, Hillary's suggestion to be her running mate is uh, gamesmanship. He says at a rally in Mississippi, he's not running for vice president, so please don't ask. I'm just wondering, because if I was in second place, I could understand it. But I'm in first place right now. That's true, but the Clintons are going to put the press ahead on this. I was going to say, I, uh, I'm i not saying that Hillary's going to win at this point. I mean, really, I, th I do think it is anybody's game, despite all this business of him being in the mathematical lead and so forth. I just, you know, the thing is... You just can't count them out, ever. Who ever? is running the Democratic Party behind the scenes? Is it the old Democratic Party that always loses, or somebody new? I, and i got to tell you, you know, and here, can I just make this observation? I don't really know a whole lot about politics, but do you know what I think helps Hillary Clinton? I think Hillary Clinton is helped by the fact that every time uh, she comes up on one of these primary votes, everybody with, like, barely restrained glee starts talking about how this is it, she's true, she's finally going to be hosed, and she's going to be out. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, and like, uh, what's his guts? Sean Hannity did that. Uh, uh, you know, I think, um, I think what's his, the idiot, the, the O'Reilly did that. I think Dennis Miller was doing it, too, actually, where... But the thing is, they've done it, like, four times now. Every single time. Like, they did it before New Hampshire, mm -hmm. where they were sort of giggling, and it was always, I hate to say this, but it was always just, like, crusty-ass white guys mm -hmm who hate Hillary Clinton for some reason. And again, I'm just speaking as a political but all these observer. It's always wrong anyway. It's true. And they always they all it's like they can it's like everything they can do to hold back the laughter because they start talking about, well this is it. Oh Hillary's gonna be hosed as of tomorrow. I think we're about to see the end of well Hillary's gonna have to bow out. I think uh and they always say th they said it again before Texas. They go, Well and I think you're gonna see that uh, Hillary's done tomorrow. Hillary's finished and uh after tomorrow that's it. She's uh, she's done. Boy, Hillary's going to be fit. And then and then she comes back and she kicks him in the balls, always. So, I mean, so just note note to old-ass white guys. Every time you start gloating about Hillary about to lose, you know what happens? Every woman in the sound of your voice goes out and votes for Hillary just to stick it to you. I mean, that's really it. If you look at Texas, the, the female vote went overwhelmingly to Hillary. New Hampshire, the female vote went overwhelmingly to Hillary. And I'm not trying to be whatever. And again, I, I really honestly have, uh, have no horse in the race, as they say. I just, I just am pulling for whoever's going to cause the most, the most trouble. So, but I do believe this, just in terms of political observation. I think that uh, when guy, commentators, pundits, whoever, when they get on and they start giggling about how they think Hillary's going to lose, I think female voters, I think they hear that and suddenly they flash back to like every a-hole boss they ever had. I think they flash back to every dick they ever had to work for. 
They, I mean, they, they started it. They remember like every jerk guy that fired them or like laughed at them or did whatever. And I think they go to the polls and they vote for Hillary and it's a big boot right to your crotch. So anyway, whatever. I just, that's just my observation. So I think if you really want Hillary to lose, you, you ought to quit uh, giggling about how you think she's going to lose because that's what's backfiring. So you just can't write, you can't write her. And you're, and Tim's totally right about that. The Clintons will kill you all. I mean, really, honestly, if you oppose them, you will fall down like wheat before the scythe. So uh, it's interesting. Oh, my favorite thing, I was reading uh, Maureen Dowd's column yesterday in the, in the Sunday Times, which claimed accurately that Hillary was able to convince people in Ohio that she was a former barmaid who liked to drink beer. <laughs> She's the calamity Jane of the Democratic Party. And she did it well. Now, the, the thing about Hillary is... The, the weird thing is how she's able to convince people that she's a like human yeah. and b that she's I'm not, I don't want to be such a jerk and say that she doesn't care about people. I will just say though that she doesn't really she does seem to have to sort of imitate human emotions because she doesn't really seem able to display them herself. She she mentioned a couple of times she has a mother and I had to sit there and think, do you have a mother? <laughs> Was her mother a giant spider? I don't know, but she claims to have had a mother. <laughs> did she did she kill her mother at the age of three and then consume her courage? I don't know. I it is it isn't it hard to imagine like a little baby Hillary Clinton like holding a rattle? Mm-hmm. You just picture her just beating someone to death with it. <laughs> so she's man, she's like the bad seed. Yeah. She really she I really mean, is. I can't imagine like Hillary getting dressed in the morning. Oh. Can you imagine Hillary dressed up for a spring formal or something? It just doesn't. It's like, but you're totally right. It's like trying to picture like a mom and dad Hillary. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't. It doesn't work. Like, I just can't. She does seem like some sort of weird bionic candidate. It's like, does she eat? She's never been shown eating anywhere on the campaign trail. Hillary Clinton is sort of like one of those nuns or one of those teachers you would have where you can't imagine them having any bodily functions at all. And And if she did eat... It's really sort of angrily, like she resents having to having to do it. Like I can see Hillary just sitting down and just, I don't know, getting like a big bowl of paste and just shoving it into her mouth and then going to the bathroom and very cursorily doing whatever she needs to be done, but all the time hating her human weakness. Just desperately, she's like some weird Cylon, just desperately wishing to be rid of all of her human traits because they only cause weakness. So, anyway, so it's, uh, that's a, that's... Th- th- that is a whole that couple, man. Uh, the Clintons. You just you don't want you don't ever want to turn your back on them mm-hmm. because the minute you do, it's going to be like the end of every slasher film where you think the villain is down and then you get a hook in the back of your head. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. Well, that controversial Hillary campaign that has taken an interesting twist. They recently released ad about the emergency red phone in the White House shows a sleeping child who turns out to be a self-described fervent Obama supporter. A Bonnie Lake, Washington resident, Casey Knowles, says she has no control over the eight-year-old footage whatsoever. When I was younger, my parents got us involved in doing little acting jobs just locally, like a little tiny commercial here, a little tiny movie here. Okay. And this footage ended up being sold to Getty Images, and we never knew where it would end up. So it's so this is it's uh, stock footage. Yes. Now, but now she's deeply involved in Barack Obama's campaign. <laughs> During our caucuses in Washington State, I was a precinct captain, and now I'm a delegate for my precinct, and I could progress to my county, my state, and I could even be a national delegate. That's the so sleeping great. baby is now a wide-awake woman. Fantastic. So the, so the baby from the 3 a.m. commercial is actually pushing for Obama. Wonderful. Uh, President Bush has dispatched Dick Cheney to the Middle East. <laughs> Really? Yes. Is that like how Prince Harry was dispatched to Afghanistan? Yes. 
the president stresses that Cheney will push Israel using what we don't know, and the Palestinians who advance the peace process like that will ever happen. The key question is whether or not a vision can prevail that will enable people who reject violence and extremists, enable them to see a better tomorrow. That's what we're working toward. It's never going to happen. Shut up. Yeah, I mean, it's, no, it's, you're right. It's no. not going to happen ever. Ever. Uh, oh, we've got clarification on the girl at Reed College who was an escort. This guy says, the Reed College girl did actual dates. She'd go to dinner and an expensive concert or a show or a club. Then they'd back to, uh, go back to his hotel room with the understanding that something would happen there. She didn't just do sex. She was a classy-looking, very pretty girl the guy could take with him while he entertained himself uh, out on the town doing whatever. She would be arm candy most of the evening and then do him at the end of the night. She might collect double for spending the entire night and doing him again in the morning. So there you go. So it was like a... So how much was she charging? Five grand. That's awesome. I think he said it was five grand. Uh, for so, somebody from Reed College? Uh, it is true. And maybe, you know, and how is that possible? Well, I was just going to say, and since she was a Reed, since she did go to Reed, maybe there was like he paid extra to have her shave or like, you know, bathe. So, uh, or to not have leaves in her hair. So I, I guess the deal was she was a, quote, full service girl in the sense that they could go out in the town. She would be presentable. And again, she wasn't apparently a girl you go to your friends and go, hey, who's the whore? Uh, I guess she just looked like a, like a regular girl. In as much as that's possible for somebody from Reed. Here's Tim Riley. That is strange. Time for a Geek Watch. Here's your Geek Watch from Monday. Ugh, this high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Quasar Dilemma, I remember you used to... Just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but... Because we were wondering if the quantum flux... Now just listen, on there, there is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? Better does. So this is part one of three. The parents of Chow Chu Yen of Bellevue, Washington, must be proud, thanks largely to attending the Research Center Institute last summer. Their Bellevue High School math whiz is now a finalist in the Intel Science Talent Search. At the Institute, he developed a paper on ecliptic curves and submitted it. You see elliptic curves being used in cryptography, so they're actually very important to e-commerce. But elliptic curves are also interesting to study in their own right. Chow Chu Yen. Please tell me, how old is he? He's 17. Of course. Of course he is. I am 35. I can't even do simple Well, divisions. Patrick Swayze was like 32 playing a high school student in Red Dawn. Do you know how old Jennifer Grey was in Dirty Dancing? I don't know. 27. Oh. 27 playing, I think, a 16-year-old at that point. So That's Hollywood. Der Red Dawn. Mm -hmm. Wolverines! Sorry, go Avenge ahead. me. <laughs> Chao Chu Yen explains how we got into Intel Corporation. Over the summer, I attended the Research Science Institute, which is a summer program where they assign all of us mentors and we conduct our own independent research. That was actually my this guy gets laid all the time. That's where most of the paper that I submitted to Intel comes from. Well, you know what I don't understand? And I realize that this is something that can't be explained to me over the phone, so you probably shouldn't even bother. Uh, speaking of this kid being a math whiz and talking about elliptical curves, I don't even know what that is. I don't even know, you know, like, here's, I don't need, like, those scientific calculators that you would get in high school, where it was like, it would show, like, graphs and lines and had, like, a, where it was like, a, this is, press, it's a cosine oh, like button. like, square roots and things like but that. I don't even know what the, any of those things are. Like, I couldn't tell you what a cosine was, and I'm not uh, trying to, well, you you're know, not designing spaceships. Artificially dumb, I just don't know. No, I have no idea what a cosine is. Sarah, do you know what a cosine is? Isn't that... 
Somebody that you need to sign something with you. <laughs> That's what I would say. Best answer ever. Um, okay, so you've got That's this. when you have bad credit. This, this math whiz guy who's solving math problems. So I read this article over the weekend that it was like math, you know, math problem that has stumped mathematicians for 240 years finally solved. And it was like some guy in like yeah, New York or whatever. With an abacus. Yeah, no, he, and he finds there's been some math problem that has stumped mathematicians for over two centuries. And like it was finally solved this week. I don't understand that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I. And I realize I'm speaking now about something that is just so weird and vague that it can't even really be discussed, I guess, or explained to me over the phone. But do you understand how that's possible that there's, quote, a math problem that can't be solved for like two centuries? I mean, don't we have calculators now? Just just type everything, solve it. I mean, it's not, you know what, you know, it's not like a philosophical question where there are myriad answers. If something is a math problem, it only has one answer. That's the deal. It's not like you're asking some sort of, how many angels can dance on the head of a paperclip? It, a math problem has a single answer. How is it that it can't be figured out for two centuries? Like, it just makes no sense to me. People don't have time. Seems like it, well, it seems like you just put it into a computer, enter, and then the computer tells you the answer. I don't understand how a math problem can take two centuries to solve. And then some guy one day finally goes, no, 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 I got it. No, no, we weren't carrying the one. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. So, all right. Uh, Chow Chu Yen has big plans for the future. Hoping to go to college, you know. He's hoping to go to college, smartass. Actually, I'd like to be a college professor. I really like research, and I really like teaching, so that's pretty much the perfect job for me. He's applied to PCC. Yeah. <laughs> Part two. TechMovie.com has posted an exclusive message from Star Trek star Lyndon Nimoy as he returns to the role of Spock in J.J. Abrams' upcoming Star Trek movie. He says, quote, the opening date of the picture has been pushed off till December of 09, and I take that as a vote of confidence. Uh -huh. It is an additional cost to the company to do this, and I assume they have decided that the footage they are seeing is exciting. It makes it worthwhile to make that additional. That's always a vote of confidence when the studio shoves the movie out by another 18 months. That's always a good sign. Astronauts bound for orbit this week will dabble in science fiction, assembling a monstrous two-armed space station robot that will rise like Frankenstein from its transport bed. This is going to have a bad ending. Putting together Dexter the Robot is one of the major jobs of the seven Endeavor astronauts who were scheduled to blast off tomorrow, less than three weeks after the last space shuttle flight. They're also delivering the first piece of Japan's massive Kibo Space Station Lab, a floating closet for storing tools, experiments, and spare parts. For the first time, each of the five major international space station partners will own a piece of real estate. With 11-foot arms, a soldier, a soldier's shoulder span of nearly 8 feet and a height of 12 feet, the Canadian Space Agency's Dexter, short for Dexterious and pronounced like Dexter, is uh, more or less uh, intimidating, at least for the astronauts. Dexter will be flying up aboard Endeavour in pieces and will be set up by a in team pieces. of space-walking astronauts to resemble a 3,400-pound robot and attach it to the outside of the new space station. There you go. Hey, by the way, you know, we had that serial killer watch that Aaron made that was so disturbing. We, oh, we I don't can't... like that one. But... Wait, hold on. Here's the old serial killer watch. I'll just play it this one time so that people can understand why we, uh, why, play it. <laughs> why we don't play it. Uh, let's see. I think it's in my uh, C drive. Hold on. Stuff from Rick's Q. Serial killer. So this was the, uh, this was our serial killer uh, watch. <laughs> I didn't make this. 
That's frightening the children. I don't like that. <laughs> and to everyone. <laughs> oh, that makes me squirm. Seriously. But don't you think somebody out there ought to make a serial killer watch using the Dexter theme? Oh. I think everyone should at least once in their life. So, you know, if you got free time on your hands, anybody, no disrespect to Aaron, but that's, we can't play that. That's just, it's, also just, it's not like we're saying it's bad, we're saying it's awful, and we never want to play it again. <laughs> we're not saying it's bad, we're saying it's the worst thing ever. Uh, all right, let's do these, and then we'll take a break here. Uh, Jesus, this show is two and a half hours in. Thank goodness for the whores. Thank God for whores. They're magic. You let's do it for the whores. For a while. <laughs> we're all winning, all went a different but great way there. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Yes, I was just wondering if the problem hasn't been solved in 2,000 years, who said it was right? That's true. Hi, that's, that's a good question. If you can't solve a math problem for 200 years and then some guy's like, no, 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 I, I got it here. I mean, somebody who had to have actually solved it before. Right. Yeah, the answer is five. How do you know? Yeah. And that's a great question. I don't know. The, the, when the, two people would have to solve it. Uh, like in a double-blind thing. Two people would have to solve it in, like, different, with no communication between them, and the answers would have to match. Well, obviously, if it hadn't been solved in 2,000 years, there was no communication, but where's the answer? Where's the answer, you know, to the problem? But that's what I'm saying. But, but if a guy does claim he has the answer, you'd need that to, uh, somebody else to independently come up with the same answer, and then you'd know it was right. And also, I know when you were sick, did you happen to catch uh, Christina Aguilera on Ellen? Oh yeah, no. That was posted on my blog like like five seconds after it aired. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was mesmerizing. <laughs> it, it really was. It really was actually. And as I said, I've I've always found Ellen, uh, not like it's not that I'm attracted to Ellen as such because it's just getting bush for my taste and all. But you know, but Ellen Ellen is an attractive woman in her way, and she certainly is put together very well. Whoever does her wardrobe and her whatever. So seeing. Uh, Ellen DeGeneres interviewing Christina Aguilera, it really was like both ends of the spectrum being represented there at once. It was the Alpha and the Omega, sir. And one more one more thing. Yeah. Hell, hell yeah, it was a great concert. Excellent. Glad you went. Hey, thanks. Thank you. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, yeah. Hi, Rick. Uh, this is Mike. Um, I was calling about the math thing, but, God, that over the phone, that serial killer watch, it sounded like someone was murdering all of you. I'm a little disturbed right now. Uh, <laughs> That's the best part, where the chainsaw is actually hitting something metal. All right. Yes, go ahead, sir. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you can barely hear the singing. It's just like a lot of screaming over the phone. Uh, yeah. So not not all math problems are like arithmetic. They're not saying like, you know, uh, they're trying to come up with a number. It could be a math problem such as how do you find, you know, a formula to find prime numbers and stuff like that, which no one has ever come up with. And you can test something like that by punching numbers into it, and then if it comes up with prime numbers, then you know you have the right answer. So you Boy. don't need to solve it twice. This is like one of those things where it's like, you see why I barely graduated from high school. No, no, I understand. I, I, I emailed the other day. I was the guy that called in trying to explain when the guy jumped off the building with the weights on his feet and whatever. The and, acceleration. And like, right. Like you were saying, it gets delayed all the time. Yeah. Uh, best show ever. All right. Thank you. Final Bye. call, then we'll break. Hi, Angela. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi. I just wanted to know, you guys have been talking so much about Dexter the last couple of weeks. Have you just discovered the show not too long ago? Uh, well, I knew it was on because CBS, when it first launched, sent us the CBS uh, corporate sent yes. all of us an email demanding that we watch it to yes. support the, to support the and network. We're, very, we're late arrival, definitely. Yes, yeah, well, so we're late arrival. So shame we, on you. Yes, well, I'm a you terrible join person. join the club now. It's great, isn't it? It's great. So Sarah and I have now both finished uh, season two. And uh, and I'm thinking about uh, about picking up one of the books. 
Yes, you should. They're great, too. You know, I think they made a mistake, though, with the first um, season. Let's not spoil anything. Well, the because way Because it, it's airing on CBS yes, television right now. Yes, I know, for all the slow pokes out there. But anyway, they There's no didn't... need to be judgmental, Angela. <laughs> let's... Resentful of the slow pokes. Serious, I, I mean, really, honestly, let's, uh, let's, let's no, need to be, uh, no need to be jerky about it. So what are you saying? I don't think they should have, the writers should have held the big secret back. I don't think they should have resolved that the way they did in that first season. I think that was a mistake. They should have carried that through. A little bit longer. Well, I think I had thought that, too, and it will speak very vaguely here, but there is a big a big reveal. Yeah, Sarah just like mouthed that, it to me. That, that sort um, of specific circumstance. Exactly, but I, you always do kind of wonder with those shows whether, and I think probably, I don't know, but I think the reason they sort of gave away everything in the first season is because they probably were afraid that they might not get renewed for a second yes, season. Yes, I can see that. And so they were like, well, you know what? We don't want to wait because, you know, it's like when you have a pair of aces in poker. You just go all in. You don't hold on. So Lots of shows do that, and I can see can see that point. But somehow, you know, it makes it kind of bad because you wish that they could have developed that a little bit that little bit more. If I were you, I'd find the creators of the show and I'd kill them one by uh, one. Well, we won't go that far. All right. Thank you. There you go. That's uh, her. That's Angela. <laughs> all right. Be back after this. More of Tim Riley, uh, top five TV theme songs of all time coming up later on. Uh, also, do we have Steve Kastenbaum at some point? Yes, yeah, ten. Okay, Steve Kastenbaum coming up later about Elliot Spitzer. Spitzer uh, and more. Stay there, it's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere back after this. We can't ever that, repeat that I on the know, air. I know. That was really funny, but too much. Has the Rick Emerson show gone too far? It was too soon. All right. Uh, hey, here's what's coming up later on. We got uh, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum who will join us. Uh, top five TV theme songs of all time. And uh, Richie Bristol, will you do me a, a favor and uh, inquire with Peter Carlin as to whether we will be favored by him today? Uh, because uh, he'll talk about the the wire finale. All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth, it's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. What time are we doing the TV themes? Um, when would you like to do that, Tim? Well, I just, not that I'm trying to be a, a naysayer, but I wrote down the two that I think you forgot. Already. Are you preemptively? Well, here's the thing. Uh, there was one that I wasn't able to track. I just, I ran out of time, so Sarah, you'll have to find it. Uh, and I know it's on YouTube. So I'm going to write it down. Uh, I'm going to write... Do you have a post-it or something? Nope. Why? I think Richie does, though. I keep those all, like, locked up in Every my office. Every time I have a post-it pad in here, it's gone the next day. Yeah, no, no, no. I keep those under lock and key upstairs. Okay, I'm going to write this down. So I'm going to write down the two that I think you forgot, and even though I have no idea and I don't want to know. Please to seal them. Okay. Tearing it up, and I'm putting it in my top shirt pocket. Okay. And so these are the two you think I may have forgotten. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um... But Sarah, I could be wrong. I, mean, I, I hope need I you to find that one on YouTube. I've got all the rest. And I, it was like passing notes. No, no, no. It was there this morning. Passing I notes class. I didn't have time. What's that? That's just. Okay. It's uh, proof that I'm old. That's what it is. Um, <laughs> I know it's there, uh, but uh, I just haven't. I didn't have time to record it today. Um, what time do we have Steve cast him on? Two ten. Yeah. Yeah. All right, because now Peter wants to be on at two, of course. That's just not going to work. We can fit all. Hey, Richie. Uh, I hate to do this. Uh, Richie, can you... Get rid of someone. Who's easier to move, Sarah? 
Well, I, we got to move Peter because Steve's going to be up to his eyeballs today with that Governor Spitzer thing. Yeah. Richie, can you Usually please can you York. please call back Peter Carlin and ask him if we can do it a little later in the hour? Tell him two o'clock hour works, but it, it may have to be uh, it may have to be it, it may have to be later in the two o'clock hour. If you can do that, that'd be fantastic. Richie's saying he can do it now. Yeah, but we got news to do now. I don't know what's going on anymore. So see if Peter Carlin can do it later in the two o'clock hour, Richie. Okay, that come would, on right now. That is the. Uh, I don't want to step No, it's two ladies. He's already calling it back. No, no, no. And it's. I'm sorry, Peter. He's he's working at home for the next two months. I mean, really, honestly. All right. I mean, he's really just sitting around. I think toasting waffles most and of the time. And with all the so. prostitutes, we haven't really gotten to any news. Really, no. honestly, I mean, it's been all prostitutes all the time. Here's yeah. Tim Riley. Let's talk about something else. All right. Uh, New York Governor Elliot Spitzer has issued a public <laughs> apology. After the New York Times linked him to a prostitution ring, he promises to try to do better. I apologize first and most importantly to my family. Whatever. I apologize to the public, whom I promised better. Uh, his wife is and scolded next for doing him, the same the thing. Totally. The, the public members, which I I prosecuted for doing this. So the governor says now he has a more personal time to uh, spend with his loved ones instead of his paid ones. I've disappointed <laughs> and failed to live up to the standard I expected of myself. I must now dedicate some time to regain the trust of my family. What What's a that? Scumbag. Well, seriously, why hasn't he been arrested? Is I mean, honestly, what are you going to do? They, they, they go in and goddamn handcuff him. That's what they do. And again, let's be understand this. I don't think prostitution ought to be illegal. No. It's it's legal in certain counties. I think it ought to be legal everywhere because it doesn't matter to me. I mean, it's a consenting adults. And what, as George Carlin said, how can it be illegal to sell something that is legal to give away? If it's legal to give it to somebody, seems like you ought to be allowed to sell it to somebody. Huh. So you know, whatever. Anyway, um, so. And as he also noted, effing is legal and selling is legal. So how is selling effing illegal? It just doesn't make any sense. That being said, though, this guy prosecuted and jailed uh, men and women for engaging in the same behavior. So I want to know why they haven't gone and cuffed his ass. What else do uh, prostitute? What else do politicians do? Well, there is a fine line there. I just it, 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 that the hypocrisy of it is really what bo uh, bugs me, and, and it, that's what politics is all about. But I mean, if he's it, you know if he's on a tape or whatever saying like, yes, I'm going to pay you to bunk me, it seems like that's enough to be sticking him in a cell right now. I'd be a big fan of that idea. So Heath Ledger will leave nothing to his former girlfriend and their two-year-old daughter because he never updated his will after they became part of his life. His belongings are valued at only $145,000, and they all go to his parents. That's interesting. Is that some Hollywood math going on there? Or? No, that's all he's worth. Well, you know, it is, sometimes celebrities are worth a lot less than you think. Yeah. That is, uh, you know, uh, entourage, which was sort of... Um, no, that's the assessment of his belongings. Right. His but he's belong. worth a different amount of money. But I mean, well, now what, is, but what does that mean? Like his physical assets are only 145 Yeah. Even still, that seems pretty low. But I read something like his... Um, like he must not own a home. Around like 20 million. Oh, I was going to say. Okay, so I mean, but I mean, does that mean he didn't own a home or anything? I guess not. Or cars? Well, no, he was renting from that girl. Uh, that's true. All right. Well, fair enough. Uh, hey, Richie, so Peter has to leave home at 2.40, so why don't we do this? Uh, we'll get uh, cast and mom a little after 2. We'll get Peter at like 2.20. Get like 10 minutes with him at 2.20. That way he can be out of the house by then, and that'll let us do the top five. This so. sounds very complicated. It's, no, no, no. It's all going to come out in the wash. It's all going to be fine. Well, a Lake Mary, Florida hotel, as in Florida. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was totally not even... Oh, that's so BS. So sad that I... I know. It's like a laggard. Where? Florida. 
clinging to that mm-hmm. sad victory. Yeah. You know, that wasn't even a victory. Don't even say victory. You said like 15 seconds after me. Yes. Let's move on. Well, this hotel was evacuated yesterday after an intoxicated man fell asleep while cooking turkey burgers, calling the smoke alarm to activate. All guests at the Homeward Studio Suite Hotel in Lake Mary were evacuated at 5.54 in the morning after heavy smoke from room 303 triggered the alarm. According to police, Mark Burton, who was staying in room 303, returned to the hotel after a night of drinking in Daytona Beach. He decided to cook some turkey burgers and fell asleep. Why not? Due to a state of heavy intoxication. No fire or injuries occurred, but the room on the third floor was ventilated and guests allowed to return to their rooms. No word on if he ate the turkey burger or not. Well, all right, then. Uh, the Vatican has listed new sinful behaviors. And uh, they list drugs, pollution, and uh, genetic uh, manipulations, as well as social and economic injustices. So drugs were fine this whole time? Apparently so. Damn it. Monsignor Gianfranco Girate said in an interview with the Vatican's Daily Newspaper that known sins increasingly manifest themselves as behavior that damages society as a whole. Our Catholic teaching distinguishes between lesser so-called venial sins and mortal sins. I thought they did away with all those. I thought so, and too. And then general sins. Because there used to be a list, and you have to memorize them. But apparently they're back again. Uh, let's see here. Were, set, were mortal sins the same thing as the deadly sins? Yes. Mm-hmm. Can you name all seven deadly sins? Oh, gee, it's been so long. Sarah? Mm-mm. Uh, I think I can only do it because of the movie Seven at this point. But um, Wrath? Pride, envy, gluttony, sloth, lust. Same again. Damn it. Pride, wrath, gluttony, envy, sloth, lust. Uh, with a G. Are you going to have the, um, all the characters? I already said head? gluttony. There were two Gs. Greed. Greed. Yay. Damn it. All right, I got six out of the you're seven. A, you're still a I always win, Rick Emerson. <laughs> Shut up! If you can mention the seven deadly sins, you may be a Catholic. These are from Pope Gregory the Great. I just had a great idea, by the way. Alex Trebek on some episode of uh, Jeopardy ought to do the seven categories. Should be the seven deadly sins. Mm -hmm. That's a great. That would be really cool. It's like a theme. So, all right, just I'm just an or and he could do a whole bunch of them, like seven hills of Rome, seven deadly sins, seven natural wonders of the world. I'm telling you, Alex Trebek, write that down when you're able to use a pen again. Then there are the venial sins, relatively minor sins that can be forgiven. A person who creates a mortal sin risks burning in hell. Unless Whatever. resolved through confession. They don't have confession anymore, so I guess you're stuck burning in hell. I don't even think they have hell anymore. I thought that there was something a while back. Hell has been closed. Hell, hell has been... We're sorry, folks. America's favored place of damnation is closed for two weeks. Uh, I thought that there was something from the Pope where he said that hell didn't really exist. That hell was a state of mind. I didn't hear that. When did that memo come out? <laughs> Do you, am I making this up? I thought that there was a thing from the Pope a while that back. That sounds like some dream that you believe happened. <laughs> I don't think the Pope closed hell. I Maybe not. I, it seems I mean, like there are I, a lot of mortgage problems out there, but hell is definitely <laughs> not one of the places that was closed down. <laughs> Countrywide announcements. <laughs> the slum alert is foreclosed. I, uh, well, maybe not. Why do I think that they made some announcement about hell being no longer, like, it doesn't exist? Now I have to go look it up somewhere. I don't know where... Has hell been extinguished? I don't know. Did it just close? I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of another religion. Maybe it wasn't the Pope that said Maybe it was, like, Protestants or somebody who said that. Could be. Who can keep track, really? All right. Uh, let's see. What are people calling about here? Um, hi. Well, so, let's do this. How do we feel about this? We'll do a couple calls, a couple more stories. We'll break. 
Come back. Steve Cast and Mom at 210. Carlin at 220. Then break, and we'll come back with news and the TV show top five. How do we all feel about that? That sounds stupendous. Let's all try right. it. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show about Governor something or other. Yeah, whatever his name is, huh? Hey, uh, doesn't this sound like a uh, like an Onion Radio news story? A politician apologizes to his family after having sex with a prostitute. Uh, I suppose. I suppose. Huh, I don't know. It just it just sounds because like, it's so it's it just happens all the time. What I you know I'm, it makes me angry stories like this. What I want to hear just once, and maybe it's impractical politically, but I want to hear a guy come up just mad as hell and say. Yes, I slept with her. No, it's none of your damn business. And everybody shut up and leave me alone. Throw down the microphone and walk off stage. I suppose. I mean, at the risk of getting onto, making this into a serious story. Didn't we have an Idaho senator who did something like that? Yes. Uh, an Idaho senator who frequently voted against gay marriage, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, keep in mind, it's really not any of our business except for the fact that he used public funds to arrest and incarcerate people who did exactly and this. And he is a public figure, which makes everything fun. Yes. And to top it off, it probably isn't one person. If he's client number nine and there's a bevy of prostitutes, he's probably yeah. slept with many of them. So it's like you can either sleep with hookers or you can prosecute people who sleep with hookers. You can't do both. Yeah, I do say throw him in the pokey for being a hypocrite, but not for sleeping with hookers. Pokey. Like, whatever. All right, thank you. You're welcome. Right. Uh, I are on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hello, Rick. You know the on hold on a second. You know the Onion headline would be something like, um, let's see, an area politician apologizes for failing to bargain shop for hookers, and then it would be a whole story about how he paid five thousand, but admits that it was an impulse buy, and if he'd looked around, he may have been able to find something a little cheaper. Doyle Redland. Yeah, I can see that. Something there. All right, go ahead. Okay, Rick, Sarah, and Tim. First of all, the, he closed purgatory. The Pope closed the Pope purgatory. purgatory. Not yeah, hell. There, yeah, there's no intermediate anymore. You can't just be bad and and then go to purgatory for a while and go in. Well, so hold so on. Let's, let's slow down. So what happens? Is it like either or now? It's like grading on it. It's like a pass-fail class? Exactly. Well, that's unfair. Well, what happens to... Okay, let me ask you this, smarty guy. If the Pope... I say... You may be talking to the Archbishop of the United States. As, as, as though it was Monsignor. Um, okay, but here's a question. If the Pope got rid of purgatory, maybe it's like a cost-cutting measure. You know, that's like how they get rid of middle management at radio stations now. Um, but they bring them back the next week under new titles. If they got rid of purgatory... Um, which is sort of like getting rid of the APD, I guess, across the industry right now, um, then the thing they always told us uh, growing up is the reason you needed purgatory is if babies died before they were baptized, they went to purgatory. We were always told that in Catholic school. If a baby died before it was baptized, it would go to purgatory, you know, because Catholics love to punish people. It would go to purgatory and be punished and then eventually go to heaven. So my question now is, baby dies without being baptized, where does it go? Do not know the answer to that question. I assume probably right to heaven. See, this was a uh, a precursor gig, you know. If you weren't real bad, we'll just make you pay for a while. Wait, so, how about, you so if you were originally going to pur go to purgatory, do you now just automatically go to heaven? Hell. No, but you just said babies will go to heaven. Babies will go to heaven because they weren't born. I don't think if they weren't born yet, they don't have this original sin that was. No, 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 no. no. But I'm saying there. if a baby, if a baby is born but then yeah. dies before baptism, where does it go? I think that it probably would go to hell then because it hadn't been baptized. <laughs> Spoken like a true Catholic. <laughs> yes. Yeah, baby will go to hell. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Bye. All right. Thank you, my friend. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. When the baby cutoff date is. The baby cutoff date. That's totally spoken like a Catholic. No, babies go to hell. <laughs> um, 
Hell is for children. Hell is for babies. <laughs> is it really the baby's fault? Uh, I was trying to do a babe. Nobody puts baby in a corner joke, but I can't think of a two-syllable word that works in this. Nobody puts baby in a... Hell. No, it doesn't work. <laughs> nobody, puts puts, nobody puts baby in hell. Except for Catholics. That does sound like a headline. <laughs> Shall we break? From the Weekly World News. Uh, <laughs> Totally. Okay, here's what's coming up. Steve Kastenbaum will tell us about Governor Elliot Spitzer. Spitzer. Babies in hell. <laughs> I, all, everybody's calling them. We've got all of these Catholics calling about this. It is Lent. We're going to get to... That's true. It is Lent. Did I tell you that I'm going to be in Vegas on Easter weekend? That'll be fun. Uh, uh, let's see here. Uh, so in true Catholic style, I can sin and repent all in one weekend. Tim Riley returns later on. We'll do the top five. Peter Carlin and all that. Say there's the Rick Emerson Show. Yeah, his day is unusually packed. You know, since sometimes he tends to forget, should we have what you call him? Richie? Because uh, when it's crazy days, I know sometimes it gets a little overwhelming. Richie, why don't you ring up Steve Castabama and we'll see where he is. I know that today is uh, a little nutty for him. What with the hookers and all. Uh, coming up at 2.20, Peter Carlin for the Oregonian. We'll talk about Lost as well as the Wire finale from last night, uh, which was fan-freaking-tastic. I really do. It's one of those things where I envy people who have not yet begun to watch that show. Uh, Dave Zinn has never seen it. He's going to watch it from the beginning. I really just, it's like when you give somebody a great book uh, and you know, you really envy their chance to read it for the first time. So, uh, Then we'll uh, do this top five later on. Top five TV theme songs. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, you've had all this talk about serial killers and stuff, and uh, I thought you'd find this interesting. You know how everybody on uh, Xbox Live has a gamer tag? Yeah. And uh, we played some clan matches with on Rainbow Six, and the new one's coming out, by the way, here on the 20th, and I highly recommend that you get it. Um, and we formed a clan called the Serial Killers, and we're all cereal boxes. We all uh, uh, we got Raisin Bran, Captain Crunch, and Cocoa Puffs, and it's uh, it's it's pretty funny. We have uh, you know like eight or nine guys, and we're uh, the Serial Killers. So. It's hard to believe that women sometimes don't take us seriously as as men. Well, my wife doesn't, so... That's okay. You know what? Here's the thing. My wife, God bless her, here's the thing she actually did understand. I was uh, talking about... Uh, I've, I've told the story a couple times, but how we had uh, really the best Christmas ever. One of them, anyway, uh, this last December, a few months back, where uh, we didn't go out of town. We stayed in town, but I got the 360... Uh, you know, got it, set it up on Christmas Eve, got the 360. My, we had the tree, and then my wife hit the store and bought really, like, like $150 worth of both junk food and really nice food. And then we had, uh, and then, you know, she rented some Xbox games, and then we had the entire first season of Code Monkeys from G4. So our Christmas Eve and Christmas Day were spent laying around the house, eating, watching Code Monkeys, and playing uh, uh, Lego Star Wars together. So it was pretty great. But here's a thing that my wife didn't necessarily understand, but I mean, sort of tolerated because she, you know, I guess she recognized the importance of it, that I spent... I would guess over an hour uh, trying to pick my new gamer my new gamer tag for the Xbox because long story short I couldn't use my old one uh, I couldn't migrate my old gamer tag uh, over to to the 360 so I had to start from scratch and you you know how it is when you sign up for a gamer tag every it's like signing up for an email login or something like every single thing is taken everything oh, you have to put like an XX or something in front yeah. of what you want to do yeah and you don't, yeah, don't want to do that you don't wanna, you don't have to put like underscores or like nine five or something in it like I I tried like all the obvious ones, like I tried like 
Like, I tried both Glenn Gary and Glenn Ross. I tried everything with, like, caffeine in the title. I tried Arrested Development characters. Uh, I tried, like, just even, like, um, blah, blah, blah. I, I tried. I had, couldn't find anything. And it took me over an hour to find one that worked. And then I well, agonized over how to do, like, if, if it was going to be uppercase, lowercase, mixed case. I mean, it was a long time. Yeah, it, you know, there are some some pretty inventive minds out there that are coming up with their gamer tags. Yeah. It's Anyways, a, uh, best show ever. Thanks. You guys are awesome, man. Yeah, I'm a new listener. I've been listening to you guys for about six months, and uh, the way I describe your guys' show is uh, you actually set the tone for uh, for for Portland and Vancouver, uh, set the tone for the whole day for basically everything that functions. Excellent. Actually, before you go, if I can ask, how did you discover, sure. how did you discover the show? Well, uh, just kind of, uh, you know, I listen to sports talk radio for a while. Mm -hmm. I just, it just gets so tedious and tiring, and and uh, just kind of looking for something local and something that's interesting and and that kind of teases your mind a little bit and then makes you laugh and gets gets you through the day. And that's Excellent. that's the most important part for me because you know everybody's got their their job and their crap that they have to deal with on a on a daily basis, and it's a it's a nice escape to to listen to people that have freakish minds just like a, you know I do. Well, thank so. you, my friend. Spread the word. You thank call you. us anytime. You got it, best show ever. Thank you. There you go. There's that guy. Excellent. That's uh, Jamie. All right. Damn studio. I think. Maybe that wasn't Jamie. I don't think that was Jamie. It says here on the screen, Jamie Catholic, but I don't think that's who that was. Uh, yeah, the studio is very dry. It is. I'm hey, Richie, at this point, we're probably not going to get Steve Kastenbaum. That would be my guess, because it's now 2.15. So I guess let's do Peter at 220, because I don't want to, you know, be screwing with that guy's schedule anymore. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hey, uh, so you guys were talking about uh, Vegas last Friday. Yes. As far as the uh, the whole act. Well, because uh, Aaron and myself and our wives, the four of us are going to go to Vegas, uh, and Aaron has never been there. So uh, right. my, And so we're trying to figure out what to do, what not to do, as far as Aaron's first time in Vegas. Well, I'm not sure if uh, this place even exists anymore because um, this is like not like 10 or 12 years ago. But <clears throat> over by the uh, convention center, I actually stayed at this place, and uh, it was great. Uh, the Debbie Reynolds Hotel. <laughs> really? Yeah, I, I'm not kidding. And uh, I remember them having some sort of, you know, like maybe wax, sort of wax figures of, you know, some like the old school, uh, you know, Vegas scenesters. So. If that's still there, uh, it's uh, it's worth to stay. And also, uh, if it is there, when you get a wake up call in the morning, it's uh, it's Rip Taylor. That is so cool. A yeah, Rip Taylor like, wake up call at, at yeah, the Debbie like, Reynolds Hotel. That's <laughs> like God. It's Rip Taylor. What are you doing in bed? You know. That is concentric um, layers of cool. Excellent. I got to look into that. That's like how I went to the uh, like. There's this place called the Elvis Arama, which is not all that impressive. But right next to the Elvis Arama, there's the Liberace Museum, and the Liberace Museum is badass. The Liberace Museum is fantastic. You could they got. I, I mean, it's just so off the charts gaudy. They have these like bicentennial hot pants that he wore for his like bicentennial uh, uh, television show in 1976, where it's like these these like unbelievably short hot pants they're all red white and blue rhinestones and then at the Liberace Museum they have the world's largest rhinestone which is like the size of a coffee table outstanding it is it's really great okay the Debbie Reynolds Hotel now we're staying at the El Cortez but I at least want to swing by and stay uh, see that place if it's there I I can't imagine that I I, mean, I hope that it I hope that it is it's well who a, would get rid of a Debbie Reynolds Hotel sir I you know nobody in their right mind that's but. true but then, then again who would get rid of the sands 
You know. There you go. All right. Was it pretty reasonably priced? Because it turns out I think my friend and I are maybe going to try and find a last-minute hotel. Really? Yeah. Was it, uh, sir, did you stay there? Yeah, I stayed there. But like I said, I was, I think I was like 19 at the time. And we have to, we have to look a, it, it was, it was, it was like, yeah, it was reasonably priced or else, you know. All right. Well, we'll look into it then. Excellent. Thank you, my friend. I also would like to say that uh, I'm also an available, attractive Asian woman, but I don't date bald men. Thank you. Bye. Yeah. All right. I just saw, by the way, Stu uh, from South Sea Connections at the advertiser. Any of those spots today? Uh, well, no. I see, actually, I can see they're in the production room right now, cutting the new one right now. I can see the client next door. So uh, did he bring an Asian woman with him? No, he didn't. He brought Carl, the sales guy from upstairs. Uh, all right. Yeah, I can see them recording the new spot right there. So I don't know. Uh, this one probably will not have Kristen Bowie in it. <laughs> so, uh, when, so when are you going to Vegas? I'm going um, a month from tomorrow. And this so is you and say, who? Uh, me and my friends Jay and Lisa and my other friend Jessica. Okay. And do I know Jessica? I don't think you met Jessica. Okay. You'd want to do your special friend, though. Um, Hi, honey. <laughs> uh, and so you guys haven't got a hotel room yet? So, yeah, we were going to not have a hotel room, but, like, his mom lives a little off the strip, and Jessica and I, the more oh, we were yeah, talking yeah. about it, we're like, you know, we're both single girls who kind of want to stay out a little late, and they're going to have to be running back to... You know, well, and, the kids and, 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 and then it's like, and then, you know, if you should off this trip, you're going to have to get a car. You have to rent a car or borrow a car because if she's anywhere off this trip, the cabs are going to kill you because the cabs are unbelievably expensive yeah. there. Um, We're going to try and get like a last minute cheap hotel, but now I you guys are all about uh, the strip like MGM Grand Luxor or like the old Vegas strip. Oh, the the newer one. I mean, right. I like I like visiting the old Vegas Strip, but I know Jessica and Jay and Lisa, and they'll probably right. want to be up around there. Plus, we're going to the car show, and that's going to be right. Well, if you want something cheap. And I do mean cheap. Uh, you know, where I stayed the first time I went to Vegas was on Tropicana. There is a, I think it's a Motel 6 or something, that's on Tropicana. Like, it's like right, it's within walking distance of the Strip. Uh, but because it's not a Strip hotel, uh, it's a lot cheaper. I mean, it's a Motel 6. So it's, uh, you know, I, something to think about. I mean, it's like, it's not sexy and exciting in any way. It is a, it is a Motel well, 6. all we're looking is just for some place to throw our crap down and, like, go and drink half a bottle of vodka before we go out. Well, that's the thing. Like, if you, if, in Vegas, your hotel room, really, what's the point? I mean, uh, you know, unless... Yeah, so, yeah, we're not, I don't want to spend any quality time in there. It's just like, we just want someplace safe to put our stuff, someplace where we can go sleep, you know, for a few hours. I think there's only two types of, uh, of, of hotels in Vegas. One is uh, the suite. Like, if you're getting some weird high roller, freakish, you know, uh, Goodfellas comp suite, okay, that's fine. Uh, you stay, you know, there, or if you're getting just some low-rent place where, again, you just a place for your stuff. That's fine. Anywhere in between, I just don't, you know, it, it seems like it's a wasted effort. Uh, Richie Bristol, let's uh, let's obtain Peter Carlin now, shall we? And uh, we'll uh, we'll do that. And I think we're just going to have to blow off Steve today because I think he's busy regardless. Uh, later on, Tim Riley uh, and uh, Top 5. We may try to give away another copy of Into the Wild on DVD today. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. What's up? Yeah, Debbie Reynolds Hotel is now the Hard Rock Cafe. Oh, uh, is the that Hard true? Rock Hotel. Oh, well, never yeah. mind then. Changed over about uh, con. 15, 20 years ago. Well, like I was hell. 19 a long time ago. Yes, so, yeah. okay. All right. Thank and, you. And by yeah. the way, the El Cortez is the coolest place on earth. It's, uh, it is, it's, although it's, somebody it's told Cape me. old Vegas is what it is. Somebody told me that they just recently remodeled it, though, so I hope it's not. I mean, I hope it's still tacky. No, the El Cortez, is, I, I was there just a couple months ago, and the El Cortez is still, you know, dollar, blackjack, yeah. 10 cent roulette, tacky. They remodeled everything around it, but the El Cortez is down at the end of the mall, and it's kind of just tacky. All right, and still like 60, but it's really cool. Sixty-year-old cocktail waitresses. Yeah, wonderful. <laughs> exactly. All right, excellent. Because exactly. we've 
Because my wife and I have gone and walked through it and gambled there, but we've never stayed there, so we're looking forward to it. Yeah, it's, it's great. You'll love it. It was owned by Bugsy Siegel and Meyer Lansky, you know. Yeah, it's, uh, that's old Vegas. I it mean, that's, that's what Vegas was 50 years ago still, that's, that's the El Cortez. All right, thank you, sir. Okay. All right, there you go. I do have my wife to thank for that, by the way, because I uh, I always used to spend my time on the Strip, and the, uh, she grew up in old Vegas because her dad's in a wheelchair, and the Strip, if you're in a wheelchair, the Strip just sucks because the hotels are... You know, it's just difficult to get in and whatever. And the and thing there's about, so many people wandering around. Totally. And the thing about Old Vegas is it's like being in a mall, basically. It's a big open area, a lot of casinos, and there are no stairs. You don't have to go up any hills. It's all very flat. So that's why growing up, uh, she spent a, and her parents would take her to Vegas all the time, and she spent a lot of time in Old Vegas, which is why she took me there. The Strip is really cool. We're totally going to spend a lot of time over there, though, because you've never seen any of it. So, I mean, you know, the, 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 you know all of the dumb stuff, like the, the stupid, like the Treasure Island thing. Are you going to go on any of the roller coasters? I don't, you know, I think I've told this story before, but as I've gotten older, I've become a big pussy about roller coasters. When I was a kid, I was really into them. The last time my wife and I went to California, we went to Magic Mountain, and it, this is how much of a girl I was. I just actually sat there literally holding her purse, watching her riding roller coasters. Because I went on three, and I was like, this, that, F that, I'm done. Like, it just, I, I, it really, it became it had become an unpleasant experience after a couple of them. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, let me see. Let me welcome now. Hold on a second. Uh, something wrong with your wrist? I don't know. All of a sudden, it started hurting. Probably, uh, probably a goiter. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. Are you asking yourself, damn it, what the hell is <laughs> what that? What's that? Oh, that's a, I said Carlin, but that's a George Carlin promo, I think. I think it's we gave away George Carlin stuff on the air. We gave away tickets to Carlin. Hi, uh, Peter Carlin. Hey. Hello. How are you, sir? I'm okay. How are you? I am Danny. Sorry. Thank you for uh, allowing us to post. But we had all this business of uh, Elliot Spitzer from New York being busted with horrors. So oh, my God. All, I know. It's all very exciting. What an interesting pathology that these guys, these really powerful guys who are, like, at the center of everything, and not only that, but, like, busting other people and making really powerful enemies, maybe even in the world's most hotly competitive media market somehow believe that they can get away with uh, uh, sleeping with hookers. Well, that's that's my thing is, you know, we said earlier on, we're all, you know, we're very libertarian about the whole thing that I think whatever anybody does uh, can, you know, as an adult ought to be uh, legal and whatever. But it's it is the fact that as attorney general, two of his most high profile cases were busting prostitution rings. Mm. Uh, and that he said, we're, we have this great quote here. It says, because I'm with you, that's that's really what bugs me about this. He says, um gained national attention uh, with his relentless pursuit of wrongdoing, including two prostitution rings as head of New York's organized crime task force. And in one such case, Mr. Spitzer spoke with, quote, revulsion, uh, revulsion and anger after announcing the arrest of 16 people for operating a prostitution ring in Staten Island. Yeah, he was aggressively pursuing wrongdoing, that's for sure. Yeah, so F him. So, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, it's interesting to note that he won't resign, though. Uh, everybody was, ex at least not today, everybody was expecting him to resign. and He wasn't going to do it. He's going to stay and he's going to re-earn the trust of the people. Well, yeah, it's a tough one, man. That's I, I don't think there's a bigger, I, I guess there probably maybe are bigger humiliations, but that's right up there. That's like right up there, and then and then the wife, poor Mrs. Spitzer's got to stand up there, there the next to him. Well, and I think all of these guys look at Mary and Barry, and they all think, well, he did it. Why can't I do it? Well, you know, I. It's interesting though because having watched, and all things relate to the Wire, of course, this week, and uh, I will tell everybody right now that uh, just as we do with Lost, we're going to talk about last night's Wire. If you haven't seen it, you don't want to be spoiled. Tune out for a few minutes. Um, so last night's Wire series finale. Speaking of 
uh, politics, that opening sequence where Carchetti is sitting there trying to wrap his brain around the fact that all of the homeless killings didn't happen. Yes, I know. And there's that opening, and you are really right when you say that the, the wire really does just have that great grim black humor to it. Right. Where he's just sitting there going, so I just, let me just, I'm trying to understand. Yeah, I know. That I was just, a great opening right there. Because you know exactly, he's unable to finish a sentence, and you know exactly what's on his mind, except they haven't made clear that that's the leap, there, you know, that that's how this episode is going to begin. And, you know, or that that news has hit the the mayor's office, and that he's got that great chief of staff. Is, I'm sorry, boss. It's just too effing good. Yeah, right. You know? I wish I still worked in the newspaper. Um, <laughs> it, it was really a satisfying uh, finale, not as cathartic as I thought it might be, but but in a way, I'm glad because I feel like if they had done some finale where everything comes crashing down, everybody's hosed, everything is whatever, it, it might have been satisfying on some superficial level, but I think it would have felt fake and forced. Mm. And I think the way that they ended it was a great, they straddled the line between, uh, you know, between, between depression and realism and, and whatever. Um, you know, where really there are losers, maybe some kind of winning for some people, but really it ends on a sort of bleak and cyclical note. Well, yeah, you know, it's just that these patterns kind of continue and the cycles go on, and every so often you have a moment that's satisfying and feels like progress has been made. You know, Naaman is clearly headed for better, great things, and, uh, you know, and Bubbles is like kind of regained his sense of himself and you know, and that was kind of nice, and, and uh, you know, every so often something nice happened, but by and large it was just kind of the same old, same old, and I think that's the you know largely the the point of uh, of the series. Well, and you have uh, you have Bubbles becoming Reginald, you know, becoming himself again. Meanwhile, poor Duquan, yeah, back there tying off in an alley somewhere, and that's just just a big that's just a big ball punch of a moment, you know, where you're just, you know, and I really am. I was thinking that in the uh, in that closing montage that I was really thinking that David Simon was going to throw in some headline about, uh, you know, Baltimore Sun must return Pulitzer. Uh, and he didn't. No, they just won the damn thing. He didn't. I mean, that's. I really thought that he would give in to his own grudges and his 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 desire to fictionally write a perceived wrong. No, 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 no. I think he was. I don't think that was his desire. I think his desire was desire was to uncover and revel in a perceived wrong, and not to not to come up with some kind of Pollyanna-ish ending. And I think, and I've been, you know, if you read the coverage among like the the, the serious journos who who are you know writing about this. Um, like on Slate.com, and they're all like cranky and pissed as hell about that whole Baltimore Sun bit. And I can kind of see what they're at, what they're about, you know, to some, uh, you know, or what's bothering them about that. There is a kind of a heroes and villains aspect to that, where the lines are much more clear and things are much more cut and dry. But on the other hand, you know, I think anybody, um, you know, I, I think you see a lot of newspapers emphasizing a certain kind of story and a certain kind of coverage and it's not like they're deliberately telling lies but they are in some ways there are sin you can see where the sins of omission are where they just don't look into the dark corners if they know you know it's like don't let the potential for a fact you know an, an inconvenient fact right. get in the way of what could be a terrific story you know and you see that happening because you understand how these things can be turned into solid gold and that's exactly, you know, and the look on those guys' face, I mean, the top editors of The Sun, when they're up there with that guy, you know, accepting their, their totally corrupt Pulitzer, 
it's like, uh, you know, I mean, I've seen that before. Oh, and if and if Simon was really, as I think by some accounts he was, if he was out to sort of, you know, settle some outstanding scores with that, I think he really did it much more effectively by not having the story unravel, by basically painting uh, painting the real-life Baltimore Sun mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of journalists in general as liars who get away with it. And, uh, you know, it was it was a pretty pretty great thing he did by not tying it up with a red bow at the end. Uh, yeah. Let's yeah. see, what else? Um, uh, you, have the, uh, the, you have Michael becoming the new Omar, and yeah. he, which is great. Uh, and then you have Marlo, who is maybe... That might be the most telling moment of an entire ending, where he has all of the money, all of the power, could go anywhere, do anything, could leave, as he says, the game behind. But, you know, uh, he and, and you have his lawyer who's introducing him to the real, upscale Baltimore business community. Mm-hmm. And what does he do? At the end, uh, he throws it all away and walks back to that d- 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 grimy-ass corner, right. uh, where you know he's either going to get arrested or killed. Yeah, but that's, you know, it's a fail. Again, it's like these... You know, I think in certain parts of it, it's that same story that Duquan was puzzling through, which is how do you even like you know these other parts of the world exist, but how do you even get there? Right. And then Duquan, of course, didn't have a didn't have a dime, you know, so you know he had no entree. And Marlowe, of course, has all the entree that ten million dollars can buy him, which is, I believe, quite a bit. Right. And yet he just can't even get there. He just can't, his mind can't 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 fathom it, cannot conceive. And he's a shark of a person. I mean, he's not a he's not a morally evolved individual, which, on the one hand, you know, might stand him in good stead out there in the real world. You know, where with those big businessmen, and, and you know, from the way they were just sort of cackling about how you can snap up this this property right, right. before the government's going to rezone it to make it, you know, five times as valuable. You know, they're, they're sort of on the same, uh, you know, they're, they're playing in the same ballpark. It, is, it was a nice touch that they closed out the uh, the episode with the, with the version of Down in the Hole that they opened the entire series with. Um, and it just, as I think I wrote you an email about this, where I said that once that final episode was done, I really did sort of feel this claustrophobic weight of the whole five seasons that it's just, you know, it is just like this enclosed, like, horrible snow globe of a world <laughs> where everything swirls around into different configurations, but nothing ever really changes. Well. So, anyway. Uh, Lost. I know that you watch Lost. Sarah watches Lost. I don't. So now I'll let you and Sarah have special Lost time if you'd like it. See, I always put the pressure on special Lost time because this week it was really, eh. No, it was a great episode. I'm sorry. Of it, was, course it, was it was beyond. Eh. It was, but it was. I mean, to my way of thinking, I mean, it wasn't as hugely dynamic and as jaw-dropping as the one from the week before, but it set in motion three or four different little plot twists that that are going to be hugely significant, I believe. And that being particularly uh, the fact that perhaps the worst daddy of them all is Charles Widmore, the father of Penny, who is an evil... And you can tell he's evil not just because... He's a rich, bloodless, tycoon-type guy with mysterious motivations. But just to put the icing on the cake, you see him involved in, an, in, in a particularly unpleasant-looking stomp-down of some poor sap in a, in a parking garage, mm-hmm. which is, like, not what good people do. I mean, that's, there's no, very little room for, un, for misunderstanding or, 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 you know... There's no so, nuance to there's that. There's no nuance to that. He kicks the guy seemingly to death, and... and, and, and you know, meanwhile, he's hot to get to the island. The thing that's coming out in the in the uh, the story, and I don't mean to 
to, to, to talk a blue streak over Sarah, but she's got to be used to that by now. No, of course <laughs> not. I mean, I'm used to it. Yeah, I'm used to it going up and yeah, down. Really? Yeah. Like I just the, really didn't know what to, like, I mean, obviously you're the chief TV critic and I'm not, so I just really didn't know what to say to summarize last week's episode. You could just say, look, let me tell you one thing. Not knowing what you're talking about is no reason not to talk a lot. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> that was a paid announcement by Rick Emerson <laughs> Incorporated. Um, 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 I didn't know, gee whiz. Oh, no, but this whole question of time travel and who is and isn't and who can and cannot consciously pop in and out of certain time zones and through little wormholes in the time-space continuum, which then makes you wonder a little more about how – like that therapist, for instance, that wicked therapist who was tending to Juliet, could suddenly crazy. just appear in the jungle and drop a, you know, a hint about what needs to get done and then suddenly vanish while everyone's back is turned. You know? Or the fact that this Ben, and then there's a, some question on uh, just about whether, if you look at the blog, that, uh, the TV blog at the Oregon Live, which I tend uh, more often when I'm actually working, Idiot Box, which is somewhere in the Oregon Live universe. There's a really cool conversation taking place, less by me than by some guys who've been writing in um, about their interpretations and their knowledge, putting to, tying together all these threads and identifying how certain little you know references that were made three years ago are now you know suddenly being fleshed out in sort of very subtle ways. <clears throat> I'm sort of I get way more involved in just the character flow and the you know and just sort of the large what I believe are the larger sort of thematic ideas. But uh, but last week was all very you know the whole idea that, that that one the energy station and where apparently all the poison gas is held was called the tempest, which then if you start looking at the Shakespeare play the tempest and you realize that that's also about a mysterious island where a guy Prospero exists with this you know large library of books and is up to all sorts of mystical things and drawing people into his world and manipulating them in strange ways. Suddenly, you have to wonder exactly what the, uh, you know, what is being said here by the the lost. Can I just say that sometimes, uh, really listening to you talk, it's like you you have thought so much about this and have so many observations about stuff that I feel like I'm being force-fed knowledge. It really is like my brain is having uh, knowledge just by the pound just shoved into it. So. Oh see, well, I, I, is it pleasant sensation? No, it is. No, it is. It's strangely pleasant. <laughs> yes, it's sort of like oh, it's like sort of like uh, it's like eating too much ham. Well, I'm wearing my mortar board and my little black <laughs> academic gown and pointing at a chalkboard with a pointer. With a with a pointy thing. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Um, are you uh, what next week? Same time, same uh, whatever. As far as I know. Excellent, my friend. And then, are you heading out of the country again at some point? Yeah, probably. I got a got to put all that together. I'm going to be away for part of spring break, and then I'll be away okay. probably in April. But. Well, we will, uh, we'll track you down uh, next Monday, then. That's fine. Uh, okay. Is it, is it fine? That's just, that's acceptable. Let me leave you with this. Thank you, Peter Carlin. Hey, my pleasure, Matt. All right, there you go. Peter Carlin, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. Fans, click. Guess what I'm holding in my hand, Tim Riley? All right, we'll find out. Top five TV theme songs of all time. Have I finally arrived at the correct list? Find out next. Say there's the Rick Emerson Show. I have zero confidence in this list. Here's the thing about it, too. Uh-oh, and the excuse is already starting. No, I'm just telling you. Well, you know that I've been trying to do this list for like five years. 
I thought we've already done the flips once. We've never done it. I've never done the top five TV theme songs of all time. Because it's just, how do you even... I'll tell you this, I was, it's not on here. I was this close to putting the Friends theme on here. I mean, really, if I had had one more slot, the Friends theme would be on here. But I just, something had to go. Also, this, the other reason it's difficult is because there's a whole swath, like the 90s, were themeless in a large, in a large way. Really, in fact, until the Friends theme, sitcoms especially didn't use theme songs. So a lot of the great shows, like you can't, like Seinfeld, for example, there's not really a Seinfeld theme. Uh, it has those musical signatures, but mm-hmm. it doesn't really have a theme song as such. So some of the great shows don't have a theme song. It, it, so it was it was kind of difficult. Anyway, so the 90s are sadly underrepresented. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your top five. I'll go ahead and count Oh, we're not now. doing the news at all? Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm we not, don't. Oh, no, sorry. no, I, I don't want forgot. No, forget about the news. Are you? <laughs> F the news. Are you sure? Absolutely. All right, I'm sorry. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, here's your top five. Five. I'm sorry. Four. Blame three, it on the horse, Tim. Blame it on the horse. I knew you were going to do that. I knew you were going to do that. Shouting is wonderful. Really, and 60 years worth of television in six slots? Not easy. Not easy what I did. Here's something else that didn't make the list. The Waltons. It's hard to leave the Waltons off of here. I bet Sarah and Stone doesn't even know who the Waltons are. Oh. I know who they are. You know, did I mention that guy's coming to town in 12 Angry Men? Yeah, I saw a recent picture of him. He looks bloated. <laughs> well, not that you shouldn't buy tickets. <laughs> Pardon me, sir. I can't help but notice that you look bloated. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'll just I'll do this list myself. So, so here's the deal. Because so he's so proud. Of well, because I was going to trust anyone. I, I was going to keep it. I was. Can't, can't you just give it to Tim to have him fold it? I was going to keep it a secret, Tim, because you were making predictions. But I guess if you're not going to reveal your prediction, here's the deal. We decided during the break. Originally, Tim was going to make predictions about something left off the list. And then reveal at the end. But now we've decided that each of us is going to do our top five TV theme songs. And it's only fair. And it's only fair. So I'll go ahead and give these to you. So I guess you can count them down. Then, Tim, will you present your TV theme song top five tomorrow? Yes. And then Sarah on Wednesday? Ah, you forgot them both. <laughs> he says smugly. <laughs> I knew it. Actually, it's difficult. I, it, it's hard but to do. how well do I know you? I knew exactly what you forget. Really? Mm-hmm. Ah. Also not on here? Well, kick yourself and you I, know what they are tomorrow. The number of honorable mentions that did not make it onto this list. Mm. Yeah, I have zero faith in this list. In fact, if you and then we'll do them. Mm. But if you ask me to do this list again tomorrow yes. or yesterday, I, it might be entirely different. If I had done this list yesterday or if I did this list next week, it might be a whole different batch of songs. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, these are the uh, here's Tim Riley. And today, at long last, and once and for all, we attempt the impossible. After years of deliberation and indecision, we have finally arrived at the top five TV songs of all time, the theme songs. Listen and judge for yourself, without a mention going to Hill Street Blues. Because it's the saddest, saddest TV theme song ever. The great Mike Post behind this TV theme song. It's got that 80s production, but it's that melody. It's, it's like those opening piano notes. Just make grown men weep. I don't want to burst your bubble. I swear we've done this. I remember you talking about the specific song and what a bummer it was. Well, we've talked. I think we may have played this at some point. 
but I have never attempted to do this specific list. Sir, Rick has totally done this before. The number one wait for me. Well, don't even give it away, then. Yes. So, it seems like I must have put a caveat on it, though. Maybe I did top five, like, something or other, some sitcoms. other version of this. What? Maybe sitcoms. Well, if Hill Street Blues is on that, I honestly don't remember ever having done this list because it was always too hard to do. I was never able to boil it down. Well, whatever. Whatever. We'll do it again. Screw them. I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> but then, but it's all worth it, though, for Tim doing his tomorrow and you doing yours Wednesday. Okay, cool. All right. TV's uh, top five TV theme songs. Number five, Barney Miller. Yeah. Uh, now identified with uh, Steve Kastenbaum, of course. I think oh, it's, yeah. It's got that great, like, pulled right off of VHS tape sound. This is one of the funkiest TV, uh, TV theme songs of all time. This is, you know what else is great? Not on the list? Night Court. The Night Court theme is fantastic. Fat Boy from KUFO did a great, like, turntable mix. Uh, of the Night Court theme song. Tim's consulting his list. Tim's consulting his secret piece of paper. I'll see, now I'm already looking forward to Tim's list tomorrow. What? It's giving me ideas for something else. Ugh. This is so hard to do. Did I mention I have zero confidence in this? I'm already seeing songs that I should have put on here and didn't. But what would you take off? Yeah. Ugh. You know what else isn't on here? Well, never mind. That's not on here. Top five TV theme songs of all time. This uh, this one, Sarah, you have this one over there. Number four is Peter Gunn. The Peter Gunn theme song. Who can deny the greatness of this theme song? Listen to how like cool and mysterious and sleazy that is. Doesn't this sound like a private eye? Having a more TV theme song. Having a martini with a game. Totally. This is. I was on the job, pouring myself a glass of breakfast when she walked into the room. And I pulled up the door over my eyes. She had eyes that said kill, and a body like jello on springs. I said, follow me, sugar. I said, totally. I knew this dame was trouble. But before my brain could say no, my feet said yes, and I was out the door. God, this is such a great song. And there's been like a thousand different versions of this. Jimi Hendrix did this once. I stand by this one. I'm now unsure of everything else on the list. I stand by this song's inclusion, though. Peter Gunn ran for three years, 58 to 61, I yeah, think. Yeah, it wasn't that long. God, what a, what a great show. What a great song. Listen to that. Counting down the top five TV theme songs of all time. Number three, The Sopranos. I stand by I this one, this too. I knew going to be on the, That's, for some reason, this flashed through my head before. It's a good thing. Yeah, I absolutely stand by this. Great song. This is another one of those songs where it's like when the show started every week and they do that HBO thing, and then this would start playing, and you would just kind of go, yeah. So do we have to do best TV th- songs, or could I feel like the most notable in my childhood or history? Do it however you like. Okay. Whatever's the best to you. Sarah's personal best. Oh, I got some good ones. Counting on the top five TV theme songs of all time. Number two, The Twilight Zone. I stand by this one, too, actually, because it's so immediately recognizable. You unlock this door with the key of a man. Yeah, I completely stand by this. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. 
dimension of sight. A dimension of mind. A dimension of mind. I'm reconsidering the Hill Street Blues, but I stand by the rest of these. No. Yes. I should have gotten it from that CBS site where they're playing all the episodes. All right. Counting down the top five TV theme songs of all time. Number one, The Jeffersons. Hell yeah. Doesn't get any better than this. Okay, I stand by everything here except Hill Street Blues. If I had it to do over again, I would replace Hill Street Blues. Uh, you know, that Friends song is so good, and it's important, too, because the Friends theme song is what brought TV theme songs back for sitcoms. Listen, how great. Come on. Genius. So three, I expect you to enough. Okay, now you're going to do yours tomorrow? All right. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the world. Back after this. Wrap it up. Uh, we got Lycus at three, Donna Mike at seven. This is the Rick Emerson Show. We return next. Rick, you are a total tool. Where is the Dukes of Hazard theme song? Oh, also, you know what else almost made the list? Futurama theme. That's almost made the list. How to see, but it's impossible. The list is impossible. Jeopardy. Impossible. Uh, every, these emails. You suck. Email. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Email. You are a retard. X-Files on there. X-Files is good, too. West Wing theme. I could have gone with the West Wing theme. Jeopardy. Boy. If I had it to do over, I might lose Hill Street Blues. I'd keep the rest. I would lose Hill Street Blues, and an honorable mention, I would put Jeopardy. I can see that. Okay, so here's the deal. So tomorrow, Tim will do his top five theme songs. Uh, you on Wednesday? Yes. We'll have a listener do it on Thursday, and then Scott Daly on uh, Friday. Uh, let's uh, go through some calls here at the end. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, this is Dave. Hello? Hey, hey, hey. You guys missed the good one, and that is the Jetsons. The Jetsons. That was a great oh, yeah. theme song. Jetsons, not bad at all. Yeah, I mean, you can't miss it. You know what it is in the first two notes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, all right. Thank you. Hi. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello? Hey. Hi. Hey, uh, this is for Peter Carlin, and hopefully it's not a spoiler, but in uh, season two of Lost, there's a couple little things. Um, Locke was a home inspector, and he's inspecting a home for Saheed's uh, girlfriend torturer person, which is kind of interesting and then also when son is taking a pregnancy test it's made by widmore labs which i think is penny's yeah, father penny, yeah her father anyway i just i i would imagine there's quite a few of those little things all through it i just kind of noticed those all right then yeah Thank hey, you. you ought to have a why don't you just have 10 songs instead of five yeah because then it's still gonna be you know but even with 10 i believe it's up but listen to this this one says do you even own a television you left off The Simpsons, The Flintstones, Futurama, The Jetsons, Andy Griffith Show, and The Brady Bunch. See, that's what I mean. It's uh, it's very divisive, this list. All right. Uh, are we ending? Excellent. All right. Uh, tomorrow, Tim Riley presents his top five TV theme songs of all time, followed by Sarah's on Wednesday. Let's see what else is coming up later in the week. Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. Morgan Grace will be in the studio this week um, awesome. on Wednesday. Uh, Scott Daly later in the week. It's all very exciting. 
Uh, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM 970, Solid State Radio in the newsroom. Tim Riley on the phones, Richie Bristol, the gatekeepers, Dave Zinn, the webmistress, it's Bridget from upstairs, and CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan Reynolds. We want to thank Peter Carlin, as well as CNN Radio correspondent, Lisa Desjardins. Like us next, Donna Mike at 7. Don't forget the Rick Emerson recap airs tomorrow at 10. We'll be back uh, in 20 hours. As always, thank you for listening. You saw the phone. Oh, the guy's still there. Sorry. <laughs> See you all tomorrow. I'm a retard. I'm huge. I regret nothing. Bye. That's why we was like, stop. Stop. You're spraying the babies. You're spraying the babies.